Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Afternoon Tune. I am your host, Josh, and with me are my two co-hosts here. Hey, hello, it's Nick. Happy Halloween weekend, people. Hello, this is Dusk. And we got a special guest, Chris Ayers. Uh, he's coming in. Um, he's going to be helping us review Last Night in Soho, so he's going to be doing that, the Edgar Wright film. Uh, Chris, hey, say hello to the people there, man. Hello to the people there, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's going to be coming in with us there. Um, you know, he texted me about it, said like, hey, you guys talking about it? I'd like to come in. I'm like, sure, sure thing. You know what I mean? Uh, Nick, had, he hasn't seen it, so he wasn't able to um, catch it out because he's in another country. So, uh, you know, we, we were able to see it dusk, me um, and uh, Chris there. So we're going to be talking about that and we're going to be getting into spoilers as well because uh, I'm interested to see what you guys thought about that ending and thought about the spoilers. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, I'm interested to talk about that stuff there because it was an interesting film. Um, on the uh, another part of the agenda today is Nick. He's got two reviews for uh, that's just going to be with him. He's going to be doing The Night House, um, a film that I reviewed uh, uh, before, like uh, maybe a few weeks ago or a month ago almost. Which um, yeah, which, give or take. Yeah, so I reviewed that film a while ago, but Nick he's got finally got an opportunity to see it, so he's going to be giving his review of that. Um, he's also going to be giving his review of The Last Duel, which is a movie I did uh, last week, um, which was the movie with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and Adam Driver. Um, so the medieval movie. So he's going to be giving his thoughts on that as well. And we got a, a nice, awesome trailer discussions that are going to be talking about uh, Cowboy Bebop. Um, the trailer for the show, uh, the live action show came out. So we're going to be talking about that and Lightyear. Um Going to talk about that Buzz Lightyear. He's getting his own movie. You know, not about the the action figure, but it's about the guy that the action figure is based on in this fictional Toy Story universe. So, um, you know, if you give a shit, I guess. Uh, yeah, as if as if Woody needed even more reason to hate Buzz Lightyear. His character got a movie before Woody did. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, true. You know. And if this is probably a big success, if Lightyear, they'll probably do a Woody one. They'll probably do a movie based on... Oh, dude, the, the fucking uh, Toy Story cinematic universe. Yeah. It's real. It's actually real. <laughs> you joke, but that's actually true. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be like Unforgiven, but with a little Woody cowboy toy. Oh my god. I would, I would watch that in a heartbeat. Yeah. I would watch that in a heartbeat. I will talk all the shit about that, but I will be there opening day. <laughs> uh, There's a... There's a snake in my boot. Yeah, you're gonna learn. You gotta yeah. do it like Clint Eastwood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're gonna learn the whole origin. There's of a that. snake in my. Wait, who are you again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. So we're gonna be discussing that. Uh, and we're also gonna be discussing the trailer for The Witcher season two. They dropped their trailer. Uh, just like a just today, a couple hours ago. So we're gonna be talking about that as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna toss a coin to the Witcher. Yeah, so yeah. Be, you know, seeing uh, Henry Cavill and his humongous ass uh, swinging that sword, uh, we're be, uh, uh, so we're gonna be talking about that uh, as well. Um, yeah, and of course, you know, like Nick said, a happy hol uh, Halloween weekend to you people. Um, you know, it's a good time. You hope you got your costumes ready, uh, ordered, and stuff like that. Mine, I was supposed to come. I was supposed to be the Squid Game people, but um, contestants, mm. but. Uh, you know, costume didn't come in time, so I'm going to be trying doing something else uh, tomorrow uh, for the stream. So, uh, so yeah, it's a shame. I really wanted to do the whole, yeah, you know, Squid Game contestant look because it was low effort, something easy I could put on, you know, nice little tracksuit. But, yeah, it didn't come in time. So, 
Uh, that's okay, though. Got a nice little backup plan uh, for the stream tomorrow. Um, and tomorrow's stream, we're going to be doing a watch party for Jennifer's Body. We're going to be doing that, having a little bit of fun of that, and as well as reviewing... Yep, the, uh, yeah, the, yeah, the winner of our final spooky season poll Yeah, uh, Jennifer's Body. Yeah, so we're going to be doing a watch party uh-huh. and review for that. And uh, we're also going to be doing antlers. Uh, so we're going to be doing that to, mm. uh, tomorrow as well. Um, all right, so to kick things off, uh, Nick, give us your review of The Night House, man. Okay, so The Night House is a horror film starring Rebecca Hall. And the story here is that we're dealing... That we're, Rebecca Hall is a woman who, uh, whose husband just committed suicide. And what the movie is about, it's the, examina- it's the examination of uh, depression... Uh, not just that, but also grief and the horrific things that it does to people and the things that it can drive you to do. Um, because this is a horror movie. There's, of course, some supernatural elements. But I thought the movie's Im- I thought the movie was ambiguous enough that you could argue that every like supernatural thing gets in her head, but that's also not really the point. The point is, uh, because with depression, the point is that it's real to her. And just dealing with her grief. And just like you, Josh, I absolutely fucking adored this movie. Uh, If the Academy didn't hate horror, and this probably came out like maybe a month or two later, there's a good argument that Rebecca Hall deserves an Oscar nomination for this film. Mm. She is outstanding. She has been one of the most consistently great performers, even though uh, a lot of the projects she picks, they're kind of eh, mid uh, kind of mid, she's great, but she's always been great in them. Um, <clears throat> uh, one, the cinematography here is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, and the jump scares, I think they're like on the, a lesser tier to something like what James Wan does with stuff like The Conjuring or with uh, Insidious or even Malignant, which uh, just came out this year. <laughs> But I think the movie's uh, thematic elements are so strong that I gave this a solid 8 out of 10. I absolutely love this film. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Yeah, I I felt the same way. I love this film. Uh, It's one of my favorite films of the year. Um, You know, great performance Mm. uh, by Rebecca Hall. Um, Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, she's fantastic. The film's fantastic. Um, I love the examination of grief and depression and loss and um you know I, yeah and it has a lot of really great jump scare type moments you know what i mean like mm. with the with the, the the elements in here the horror elements in here so yeah very very great film have you guys checked this film out the night house uh no not yet i've seen a trailer for it and it looked interesting i like horror movies and i like rebecca hall a lot and i've been hearing nothing but great things about it so far including from you guys so it's on my list. I'll try to catch it relatively soon. Okay. Dust, what about you? The trailer intrigued me. I unfortunately was not able to see it within the time frame of now, but I will do so in the future. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. Um, all right. So moving from another horror movie, we're going to go into, uh, from one horror movie to the next. We're going to go into Last Night in Soho, which is the Edgar Wright film, him dipping his toe into horror. I mean, he did that with Shaun of the Dead, but that was a little bit more of a comedic kind of horror. Yeah, um, yeah, Sha- yeah. Shaun of the Shaun of the Dead and kind of the entire uh, uh, the it's Cornetto crazy. trilogy. Yeah. They're they're pretty they're pretty much uh, uh, horror spoofs. They're spoofs on genres, but they're all but they also function within that genre. Like Shaun of the Dead 
it's a horror comedy, but it both works as a horror film and as a comedy. Like, a Hot Fuzz, it's a great cop film, and it's also a great parody. Mm. And The World's End, which uh, is my personal favorite of the three movies, it, it's a sci-fi film. It's a sci-fi film, but it also works as a parody. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, like Nick said, I mean, you know, he's got a great resume of stuff. You know, Edgar Wright from Hot Fuzz, from Shaun the Dead, uh, The World's End, Scott Pilgrim, uh, Baby Driver. Wasn't that huge on Baby Driver myself, but I thought it was, I, I still thought it was solid. Uh, the World's End, I think, is maybe my least favorite of the trilogy, of the Cornetto trilogy. Mm. Um, out of all the ones uh, that he did, I think that one's my least favorite. But, you know, Edgar Wright's got a great track record uh, when it comes to films. And is this film, you know, kind of another notch in his belt as far as, you know, as far as his great <coughs> directing career? Um, so we'll, we'll, tell you all about it so here in last night in soho uh starring thomason mckenzie who plays ellie um she's a kind of for lack of a better word she's a country bumpkin um you know in, mm. <laughs> in this kind of in this film she wants to go to london to this fashion school you know she makes her own dresses um and her grandmother's trying to tell her that you know hey it's, i mean it's a, it's a big city they're gonna eat you alive out there you know and you know you're coming in here you know, and, you know, doing kind of your own little dresses, like, oh, it's, it's rough. And she's like, no, I, you know, I got it. I can handle it. And, you know, she gets there and, yeah, immediately already has a bad time. You know, it's, it's you know, and she goes there to this big London fashion school, you know, always already has a, moves into it with a roommate that sucks. Um, you know, it's mean to her, you know, dealing with this kind of college environment that you kind of experience and you know, trying to fit in, be this kind of outsider. She, you know, she's, you know, kind of in the situation of being like this outsider you know, amongst these people, um, you know, so, you know, a lot of it's kind of her dealing with that, you know, going to this fashion school, um, as well as the core of this film being a whodunit, um, where she's kind of living through this life of this other person um, from the past in the 60s, uh, played by Anna Taylor-Joy, um, who's called Sandy in the film, um, you know, who, you know, is this, you know, aspiring, you know, singer and, and, you know, she wants to be kind of famous and, you know, and live this kind of big lifestyle. So she's kind of living this, you know, life, um, you know, through this woman of Anna Taylor Joy. So it's very interesting. And at the core of this movie, it's really a whodunit, um, you know, this kind of murder mystery kind of element of, you know, Ellie's character trying to figure out, you know, what happened to the Anna Taylor Joy character, Sandy. Um, so I think, you know, with this film, um, I think it's you know great performances all around. Um, you know, mm -hmm. especially Thomason McKenzie, uh, you know who plays Ellie. Um, you, people have seen her. She was in Jojo Rabbit. Uh, she was the Jewish mm -hmm. girl in the attic. That wasn't Anne Frank. Uh, she was somebody else. Mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, so she was in that. Um, she was also. Um, I think I've, I've seen her in something else. I can't pin my a finger, but that was kind of the main thing I first. Yeah, the, yeah, the most recent thing she was in was Old, the uh, M Night Shyamalan. Ah, yes, mm -hmm. yes. Uh, yeah, I yeah, forgot she was kind of in that. Yeah, she was also an old as well. Um, and she's got kind of, you know, great kind of look to for horror. It's like Victoria Pedretti when I said about her uh, when she was in The Haunting of Hill House and Haunting of Blama because she's got that perfect face for horror because she's kind of got, you know, kind of the big eyes and she's kind of got that great look about her. So it works very well here for the Thomas. Yeah, she's, she's kind of, yeah, she's kind of got those like Powerpuff Girl eyes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, very much so, you know, and, um, so it's, I think she works very well, and she also has, like, this voice, too, that's this kind of very soft, 
kind of voice that works really well. Um, you know, that perfectly fits kind of with her character playing this meek girl coming from the country to this big city and, you know, you know, trying to trying to figure things out and kind of being so overwhelmed by things and, and, and people. Um, so I thought that fit perfectly. And then Anna Taylor-Joy, you know, she's amazing. She's having a great hot streak. I mean, she's uh, we talked about her last stream uh, when we did the Dune review, when we mentioned Zendaya. She's like mm. she's part of that crop of these really big up and coming young actresses coming up. Um, and, you know, her whole kind of look, you know, being the person that's in the 60s and her her look is absolutely great, you know, fitting that really look and mold of there. And, you know, and, and I'm glad, you know, th you know, that, you know, they play off each other really well. You know, you see kind of the Ellie mm -hmm. character morphing more into the Anna Taylor-Joy character, gaining more confidence by, you know, vicariously living through her and her life. And that was very nice. And then also, I didn't know Anna Taylor-Joy could also sing. She also sings in this movie as well. Like, she does a, her own rendition of Downtown, uh, which I thought was very great. Great, as if I needed another reason to fall in love. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so she's incredibly talented all the way up and down. Um, so... Let you guys get in this discussion, Dusk and Chris. I'll let uh, Chris go first. What were kind of your guys' initial uh, thoughts about this film? Uh, my initial thoughts were that yeah, this was probably like dating back to the to when the trailer came out. I was like, this is probably the movie I'm most looking forward to for the rest of the year. Like every like yeah, there's the Marvel stuff that I'm interested in, and yeah, some of the blockbuster stuff, but like that's the one I'm interested in, and. Hmm. You know that feeling you get when, like, you're really looking forward to getting something on, like, Christmas or whatever, and then you get it, and it's either, like, not what you wanted it to be, so you're kind of disappointed, or it's not quite there, but you're just so happy to finally have it that, you're like, okay, hmm. I'll take it. Uh, that is not what happened here. This movie is fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you I had me there for a second. <laughs> oh, did I? Nice. <laughs> you had me in the first half, not gonna lie. <laughs> Yeah, I really, I really, I really dug the hell out of this. Uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, Thomas and Mackenzie, yeah, she's really improving herself these last few years to be like one of the like top tier actresses within her age group. And like you said, not only does she have a great look for horror, but I think her ultimate skill as an actor is this sense of like soulfulness and vulnerability that she brings to every one of her characters that gets you to like immediately sympathize with her and like even get protective of her. Like mm. from the very first scene, it's like, yeah, very I like early this girl. On. I like this girl. I'm rooting for her. I want her to get out of this alive and in one piece. And you you experience everything through her eyes and yeah, you're with her every step of the way. And Anya Taylor joy. Yeah. Like when we see her, like she, feels like she belongs right in the 60s. She's got this like charisma and this confidence that she carries herself with that makes her really appealing. And you can see why Thompson's character, Ellie, would be interested in her. And uh, Matt Smith, who's like her manager, Sandy's manager slash boyfriend, who promises like, yeah, he's gonna like get her to the top, but he's also got sinister uh, motivations. Yeah, he... He's really good too, and I mean, he's a man in the '60s, so of course. Yeah, exactly. And, and have you seen any music? And have you seen any music biopic ever? No manager is actually a good dude. Yeah, never trust managers, and that speaks to something else that really impressed me about this movie is that it's Edgar Wright. This is probably like his most heavy and mature movie to date. He's dealing with hmm. really, he's dealing with really like difficult subject matter. 
involving misogyny and the exploitation of women in the 60s especially and this idea that yeah this golden age that you think is so amazing from a distance like the closer you get a look at it the more you realize like yeah this period that you idolize so much is not as great as you think it is and we barely progressed from that today this movie goes out of its way to show you that and i love how edgar wright uses this opportunity to stretch himself as a filmmaker like it's his most serious movie to date and he slowed his style down way down like, like he's known in a lot of his movies for like his hyper fast editing and mm. even though he still shoots it the way he shoots a lot of those like hyper scenes in his other movies the editing and the pacing is a lot slower and more reserved but that works for the movie and stuff that he used to do in his comedies to get you to laugh instead here he uses it to build up a sense of dread and foreboding and that works really well and yeah this is him flexing a whole new set of filmmaking muscles and genre muscles and i thought he knocked it out of the park okay. dust damn chris you might as well just do my job for me <laughs> uh, in all in all seriousness, I do agree quite a lot in uh, what Chris uh, as Chris has stated. I, I will what I will add though is well, I do agree a lot of what he states. I think this is also his um, his one of his more rough ones as well. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the he stretches himself a lot in this movie. You're right. Uh, just from the get go. Uh, you can tell this movie's going to be different from most Edgar Wrights, just from the way it starts, right from the mystery and the uh, supernatural things that kind of enter into it. And I won't go into details there, but there is a bit of supernatural in this movie. And right from the get-go, yes, um, uh, Thomas and Mackenzie is really good as Ellie. Right from the moment she gets to London, you're just as much in attention with her. You get very up close. You kind of understand her character. You understand her dreams, and you know right from the beginning, you're like, "Oh, girl, you're in a, you're in a position. You're you're like a babe in the woods, and there's a bunch of wolves. So you need to really be careful here." But she's she's spunky, and she's gonna kind of go through it. And yeah, when she starts, uh, when she meets up with the uh, Sandy, played by uh, Anya Taylor Joy, Anya, uh, she does such a great job just playing in the 60s. And that's also a keen area for where Edgar Wright excels. He's really good at just kind of the distance between these two genres, where normally that would be such a thin line to kind of carry yourself through. He does very masterfully. And I think that's a benefit because of his previous career. I know you didn't quite enjoy it as much, but I really did dig uh, Baby Driver. And I think he does benefit from a lot of those aspects where he goes from a very musical, musical scene, goes from a very musical moment, and then, all right, now we're curving to a different angle. We're curving to a different point of view. Mm. This glitz and glamour isn't what you think it is. You're, you think you're seeing what you're th- seeing, but that's not what it really is. Mm. And I think that he does it very masterfully. Where he gets a little trippy is in unfortunate in those moments because he it does feel like this is kind of his first foray, really kind of stretching in a genre that he's not kind of used to. He makes a little simple mistake, such as tone. Tone sometimes can kind of be a little bit stretched it doesn't quite gel as evenly as you want it but when the tension gets set and then the characters and he slows the editing down and he lets you really breathe in those moments he does have a good like he always has he has a good understanding of the nature of just let the moment sit and let the audience something i think a lot of most common horror movies even like james wan movies don't do tension is built by not knowing what's going to happen in this moment how this is going to go 
And I think he excels in those moments. And those in-between moments and those little moments, I think that's where he excels the most. When he tries to kind of almost, it's almost like a reflex. He tries to get back into Edgar Wright mode. That's where the movie kind of, it's like, nah, you're stretching a bit. You're fine. It's like, I almost want somebody to just pat him on the back. He's like, no, 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 you're good. You're good. Keep going. Keep going. You're doing okay. Hmm. But for the most part, I, I, I enjoyed my time in this movie. This is, this is pretty nice. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, bringing up Baby Driver, um, it actually brings over some elements from that. Uh, because, like, she's listening to mm-hmm. headphones and, you know, you hear it, you know, when she's on the headphones. And then when she takes off the headphones, you hear that sound when you kind of like, you know, the moment when you kind of take off headphones and put them down. And you also still kind of hear the music playing slightly, like, when you, you know, the music still coming from the headphones. You know, in scenes and things like that. Um, so it kind of brings over that kind of element uh, from Baby Driver. That I thought that was kind of nice um, because that was a big thing with the Baby Driver character is that, you know, he, you know, you know, always wore headphones and always would take one out and everything like that. It really, you know, you know did a lot of stuff with sound. Um, you know, also here, um, kind of some of the weaker elements uh, for me. Uh, when she goes kind of to, you know, London and, you know, when she meets, you know, kind of goes there and, and, and kind of meets her roommate. Mm-hmm. Her roommate is typical bitchy, mean girl um, type, you know, yeah. girl. Um, you know, her roommate is... She's pretty uh, one note, yeah. Yeah. Um, her name is Jocasta. Um, mm-hmm. And then every time you see her, she's always with her other bitchy friends. Um, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Always hanging out. And it's just, you know... These are kind of adults by this point somewhat. It's like, okay, you know, maybe you would talk shit about them maybe at some point on her and they make fun of her for her, you know, for her having this homemade outfit and everything. But it's just like constantly throughout the movie, it seems like the girl has a super obsession with her. And I'm just like, okay, this seems a little much, you know, constantly with her. And I just feel like maybe you could reduce the stuff with her and then her and her, you know, her crew and her cronies and things like that. I was just like, you could reduce some of this stuff there um, with, with, with kind of them. Um, another kind of element here, um, is that, you know, when I watched the trailer for it, um, I thought it was kind of going to be somewhat kind of like Midnight in Paris. And if you've ever seen Midnight in Paris, mm-hmm. uh, the premise of that, where it's kind of like Owen Wilson kind of gets, you know, he's able to be teleported to 1920s in France. Um, and, you know, he kind of gets to meet all these famous historian, you know, authors, you know, like, you know, Ernest Hemingway and if, if Scott Fitzgerald, it's a Woody Allen film. It's, I, I think it's an amazing film. Um, one of his best yeah you know really really great film um so it's not like that sort of here um and i'm saying that because it's like the character of ellie kind of has sort of an ability um to say mm-hmm. um and they open the movie with you know saying that she can communicate you know because she's can communicate with like her dead mother um you know film opens like that um so she sort of has that kind of ability, but then in terms of how they use that and incorporate that, especially when it gets towards the latter part of the movie and towards the ending and the conclusion, because like I said, at the core of this movie, it's a whodunit. I just didn't really kind of understand how that all fit. And then, you know, when mm-hmm. it kind of gets towards the end and, you know, kind of them, you know, trying to wrap up this mystery. And a lot of like when it's when it's a mystery kind of murder mystery type thing, a lot of it depends somewhat on the ending of like how you're going to close this mm-hmm. out and how you're going to make it you know, really sell and really punch to the audience. And I just was kind of left a little a little kind of confused there um, with, with, with kind of the ending and what they did there. Um, and, you know, like you said, I mean, you know, the, you know, a lot of stuff, like you said, when Chris mentioned, like, Edgar Wright, when he does with this film, it's, you know, very mature film for him. Because, like I said, he's mostly done comedy stuff. You know, he's mostly done stuff mm-hmm. like Scott Pilgrim and, you know, Hot Fuzz and Shaun, Shaun of the Dead, The World's End. They're all, they've all been 
comedy films. Uh, and with this one, like you said, it's touching on very much of misogyny, very much of women's issues. Um, you know, a lot of kind of very serious kind of topics of that stuff. And I didn't, you know, really expect that coming into it. Um, and I thought that was very nice. And I thought that was a great addition. Um, so do you kind of, guys, do you see what I'm kind of saying about kind of the ending and towards the latter part? Like, how did that kind of all, like, when it came to that conclusion, and we're going to be getting into spoilers um, yeah. in a little bit um, when we give more about our thoughts and then we're going to give our reviews. But, what, you know, what did you kind of guys think about the, the ending without giving away too much? Uh, Chris, go ahead. Uh, what I thought about the ending is, it's funny. I didn't read too closely into reviews before the movie came out because I wanted to avoid spoilers as much as I could. But I did notice a lot of people complaining about the ending of like, oh, this doesn't make sense, or oh, this is so far fetched, or whatever. And it's like, so I watched the ending and I was like, yeah, it's kind of out there, but it tr it tracks for me given certain characters' motivations and setups that were planted early enough on that, like, I could kind of, like, connect the dots and it's like, okay, I could... it's kind of weird and there's one big question that I have regarding a certain reveal, but we'll save that for later. Mm. But overall, like, it tracks for me. Like, it makes sense to me and it ties into the bigger themes of the movie and it, it's funny, it actually plays host to a scene where I thought they were going to screw the whole like thing about thing about dealing with misogyny and abuse of women where I thought they were going to do something that was going to undercut all that. It's like, no, please don't, please don't. Thankfully they don't. Mm. And I'll explain, I'll get more specific about that when we get to spoilers. Okay. Dusk. Um, as much as I did have this movie and I did have a lot of fun, I do admit that, the story and theme starts to get a little wobbly as we pass the halfway point. We start going, okay, this is starting to accelerate, starting to get a little bit more desperate here. Where are we going with this? That's the question I was, unfortunately, starting to think more and more of as we kept going. Where are we going with this? And by the time it does get to that ending, I end up going with more questions than I do presentable answers. It doesn't necessarily take away from the really good half that we had beforehand and some really great music and casting, but it does unfortunately leave me going like with a, okay. Like, which is like, uh, all right, man. But that being, that being said, I would have liked a lot more, especially when you do a horror type movie like this, or you're trying to get a little bit more closer, especially with the themes that you want, you want an iron tight, especially if doing mysteries. Mysteries are like you said, they're kind of ironed out on how you end them. How you end something can can change the entire aspect of a movie beforehand. And I feel like the way they got to that ending almost doesn't fit with the rest of the tone and what was presented beforehand. And so it's almost like there's a slight dissidence between mm. what I was expecting and, and what ended up happening. Yeah. And it kind of took me out a bit. Yeah. That, that's at least what I feel on that yeah. aspect of it. Yeah. Without so, getting into spoilers. Yeah. So we're, we're going to talk about it more. Um, to uh, give more kind of my you know other thoughts in the movie, um, you know, mm -hmm. uh, there's also another character, uh, John, who's, uh, you know, kind of mm -hmm. Ellie's, you know, fellow student at the, at the, uh, 
at the fashion school. Um, she's the, the only you know, nice person in London. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, he's the only one decent person that's actually treating her nice. You know what I mean? You know, actually respectful to her. You know, the you know friendly. You know what I mean? All the other people absolutely just ridiculing her for everything. The way she dresses, the music she listens to. You know, and also great soundtrack by the way. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I like the '60s music. Um, you know, do I wish I lived back in the '60s? No, I do not. Uh, I like the music though. Good music. <laughs> Good, good music though. Um, you know, and it's funny because you know Ellie's character. She gets, you know, in this movie, she gets a rude awakening because she's all about I, I love the sixties. Oh God, I, what a love would have been back then. And it's like, okay, yeah, sure. You, oh, you love the sixties, all right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You say that now. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna show you some sixties. Yeah, the entire decade just said, and I took that personally. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Yeah, the entire decade was like, oh yeah, okay, we're gonna show you some sixties, all right? Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh, bet. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, great, yeah, great soundtrack, yeah, and and you know his character. Um, yeah, you know the it's, it's by actor named Michael Ajo. Um, Ajo. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Uh, Ajo. Uh, Ajo. And then so he plays John, um, who's like you know her fellow uh, kind of classmate at the fashion school, and you know he's pretty good. They have some good moments together, and they got good chemistry together. I thought you know that was fun, and you know him just kind of just being a cool guy and friendly guy. I thought that was kind of much uh, you know much needed. Um, and the fashion of the movie also really great. Like I said, Anna Taylor Joy looks amazing, and kind of her outfits, her clothes, and what she's wearing, she looks you know absolutely great. Um, that and- pink dress is already iconic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, very much so. I mean, that that's a great look. Uh, when she had like, I love the look when she had the, like, the white boots and the white jacket on. I thought that looked really awesome. You know, kind of like the they call it with the mod fashion of the '60s and yeah. that was happening in London. So they you know, that kind of whole look that she had on. That was kind of really awesome. Um, so, yeah, she had, a, I mean, yeah, I mean, they do a lot of great stuff with the kind of like Edgar Wright does with the aesthetic of the 60s when they go and do those scenes. And the transitions to those scenes are also really great. Um, you know, like when you first see when she goes into the world of in the past of the 60s, which is this is set kind of in 1965 when they show the past of the 60s because you see the Thunderball poster there, which is the James Bond movie uh, with Sean Connery. So it's it's 1965 to place it into a time. Um, and and stuff like that. So, you know, I thought that was kind of really cool, and Edgar Wright really nailed that very well. And, and I thought that was pretty good. Um, and so, you know, I, th- I thought all that stuff was a lot of fun to watch. And then Matt Smith also, who you know people know from the he's the Doctor from Doctor Who. You know, he's also very great, and uh, you know also has great swagger here. You know, looks like he also belongs in the '60s as well. And then his, you Don't know, forget the great Diana Rigg who plays the uh, the landlady, who we unfortunately lost recently. Oh, oh right, yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. Miss yeah. Elena Tyrell, Queen of Thorns herself. Yeah, yeah that, and a lot of you will also know her as James Bond's wife from Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Mm-hmm. Yep. She yeah. was also in The Avengers, which took place during 1965. Yep. The TV show, not the Marvel movie. Yes, yeah. the TV show. So. Yeah, um, yeah. so yeah, she was the Elena Tyrell from The Game of Thrones. She was always the one with the best comebacks of the whole show, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? That would just leave people absolutely stunned in Game of Thrones. Like People just like... Yeah, the I, Queen of Thorns, more like the Queen of Sass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, much. you know what I mean? Like People just didn't know, never know how to respond they were just like i i kind of don't know what to say <laughs> like i didn't expect you to say that i kind of don't know i'm expecting older people to be friendly and then you're actually just fucking just mean um but uh yeah so she's she's also in this you also have you know also a veteran you know actor from also the 60s we own terran stamp you know general zod himself is in this Deal. Uh, 
Yeah, so he's also in this as well. So yeah, you have you know kind of them bringing those '60s actors as well into this film. I thought was also a very nice addition. Um, so to give my overall thoughts, and I'm going to kick it to Dusk and, and Chris um, to sum up their thoughts and give their reviews um, after I give my sum up here. So yeah, so um, yeah, I think this is a very good film. Um, you know, I do think it's very good. Um, I still kind of I think towards past the halfway point when it kind of gets towards the you know conclusion and wrapping things up. I think that was kind of a fumble there, um, uh, mm. honestly. And and when it comes to the conclusion and everything, I was just kind of like, maybe you guys can, you know, maybe we can work it out in in, in the spoiler talk and everything like that. And as far as like, because I was just confused on some things, mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe I'll just change my rating. But yeah, um, you know, just kind of with that, I was like, it's, this is kind of weak for me. Um, like I said, I mentioned the element with the with the kind of the mean bitchy girls that didn't really need to be there. Um, I thought that was kind of like maybe a couple scenes, but, you know, just like throughout the movie, I was like, eh, this seems kind of unnecessary. Um, but, you know, other than that, I was just kind of like, hey, great performances, great look, great soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, loved Anna Taylor-Joy's performance, loved uh, Thompson McKenzie's performance a lot, um, how they kind of, you know, directly oppose each other, like her being this, you know, Thomas McKenzie being this meek kind of girl, and then Anna Taylor-Joy being this super confident, you know, super kind of just, you know, uh, uh, star in a way. Of, of her I thought that was kind of like how they you know opposed those things and the different shots in the movie were also very great and the look of it um, also was very lovely as well um, so for me I would give it as a right now I'd give it a 7 out of 10 uh, what about uh, you Chris what about you uh, what I would give it is that uh, yeah I do have a couple problems with it uh, during the third act scares involving the ghosts uh, they start to get a little bit repetitive. It's kind of the same scene over and over again of, like, Ellie goes somewhere, she's doing something, uh, Ghost shows up out of nowhere, and then she screams and runs away. Uh, it feels like it's a little wheel-spinny there, but thankfully it doesn't last too long. And yeah, some of the side characters are pretty one-note, especially the mean girl and uh, even her friend John. Even though I did like the character, it was mostly because I think the actor does a really good job. And it's funny, I spent the whole movie looking at him like, this guy, this guy feels familiar. Who is he? And I looked him up afterwards. He was in Attack the Block. He was one of the little, like, 10-year-old kids. Oh, like, no, no, the aliens. Yeah, oh. which Edgar Wait, Wayne, what? Yeah, that, yeah, that's him. He's Mayhem. And if I remember <laughs> Yeah, every time I remember this because every time somebody mentions Attack the Block, I always flash back to a scene where him and his buddy are looking at an alien, like, and he's starting to get scared, like, oh, I don't know. And his buddy looks at him, like, nobody is ever going to call you mayhem if you keep being a fucking pussy. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, that movie's so fucking good. Yeah, produced by Edgar Wright. He didn't write or direct it, but yeah, that is produced by Edgar Wright. It's one of his unsung movies. Yeah, and that was probably what led to him being here. And yeah, I loved the aesthetic of this. It's beautifully shot by a great South Korean cinematographer, Chung Hoon Chung, who shot Old Boy and The Handmaiden for Park Chan Wook and also shot the first It. Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, Yo. I love the story. I love the themes that it deals with. The performances are incredible. Uh, yeah, I can't say enough positive things about Thomas and McKenzie. Uh, it's funny because I've come on here to review two movies with you guys. One was this mm-hmm. movie, and the other was with Old, which he was also in. And usually, like, I go to see movies, like, sometime in the middle of the week after they've come out because, you know, with COVID, you want to go when there's as little people there as possible. And 
with me, Thompson McKenzie's reached that point where it's like, yeah, anything you're in, I'm going to see it opening night. Like, I want to be there. And I mm. thought she really delivered. And I thought Edgar Wright really delivered something really special with this. It's one of my favorite movies of the year so far. I hope more people, I hope word of mouth is good enough that more people catch wind of it and go to see it because it deserves to be successful because it's so well crafted. I give it an 8 out of 10. Okay. Dusk? Once again, why don't you just take my job? <laughs> oh, Sorry to keep God. doing this, man. No, no, that's good. That's good. That means that means it's okay. I've made a worthy successor. <laughs> a worthy successor. Uh, I can't can't really add too much. What else? The only thing I'll add is I, I do think the the ending is a little bit messier than I think you're mentioning. You're mentioning, but against everything else that the movie does well. Against everything else that it does, and the soundtrack from the acting, the performances, I think Edgar Wright and the cinematography do just enough where it makes up for some of the poorer elements later. I'm kind of caught. I want is like I'm caught between a seven and an eight, and I don't know quite is it quite what I get, but I think because of the presentation and because of everything else that kind of leads to it, and it didn't fumble too hard. If it fumbled a little bit more, I think I would have given it a seven. But I liked it just enough. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Chris. I'm gonna give it an eight. Okay. All right. Um. Okay. So we're gonna get into spoilers here, Nick. Uh. We're gonna do that. I'm gonna give you a thumbs up when we're done. Um. And everything like that. Um. So there we go. So okay. So here's spoilers. Uh. So just let everybody know we're doing spoiler talk. This is spoilers. Uh. We're doing that. Okay. So spoiler uh, time. Yep. So here we go. Five, four, three. Two, one, um, and we're going to be coming back in about. We're going to do probably ten minutes talking spoilers. So there we go. We're going to be doing that about ten minutes. Um, so, so the spoiler. The spoiler is okay. So like I said, um, Thomason McKenzie character. She has an ability. Um, you know that gets kind of introduced in the in the beginning of the film because she can communicate like with her dead mother. So she kind of has this you know kind of special talk, like almost kind of like I guess if you had to compare it to an ability, like maybe like. Christopher Walken it from the Dead Zone, or mm. you know, someone like you know maybe Jack Torrance from The Shining, or someone like that, you know. Or Haley Joel Osment in The Sixth Sense. Yeah, yeah. you know, kind of like some ability, kind of like that. Um, so she, you know, goes off to the city, goes to fashion school, does all that, right? Hates a roommate, then moves out, then goes into this, um, then moves into kind of this little apartment. Um, and the landlord, uh, landlord lady, that is the one that's played by. Um, uh, Diana Rigg. Diana. Uh, Diana mm-hmm. Rigg. That's when it's played by her. So when she when she moves into this new apartment, that's when she starts having these kind of trips to the 60s. Um, so when I thought about it, I was like, okay, so it's the spirit that's communicating with her um, because, like, like I said, it's a murder mystery. Um, and, you know, her trying to, you know, like live through this life of Anna Taylor Joy. So she was the one that was murdered uh, by the Matt Smith character supposedly that's what we we you know what we see and then it's you know kind of her communicating through her in a way for her to you know see what her life was like and then for her to solve the mystery um but it turns out that Anna Taylor Joy's character was not the one that was murdered um she was about to be murdered by the Matt Smith character um who in the movie that you know you think from looking at the trailer you think it's Terrence Stamp because of course it's Terrence Stamp of course he you know he <laughs> you know he kills somebody he's odd okay of course well, you know, <laughs> look, and, man. Terrence Stamp is in the movie. That's just nothing. 
that's nothing enough to be said. That's yeah. what it is. So they basically use Terrence Stamp as like a huge red herring because, um, you know, throughout the whole movie, he's like just basically almost stalking her almost, you know, constantly following her, picking up her stuff. You know, he, he runs into her like everywhere she goes in town. He just constantly runs into her. And it's like, okay, so the gray haired gentleman. Yeah, so you constantly think like, oh, so it just, you know, he's just a big red herring that make you think like, oh, he's the one that's the older Matt Smith character, and he's the one that, that you know, killed her, but in reality, so what happened, the big twist is, is that, so Anna Taylor-Joy, Sandy, she didn't die, she was about to be, but she, you know, got the knife, and she killed Matt Smith, and then when she, after she killed him, she realized like, well, hey, this killing thing is pretty fun, okay, I'm gonna kill some, <laughs> I'm gonna kill some more people, so she basically became like a serial killer, um, because what happens was, you know, what happens when a young girl, a young person goes, it's like, I want to be in the big city and I want to have my head, my name in the headlights and on the banner and I want to be the big star. What happens? They usually, they get into porn. They get sold in the, mm. in the, you know, sex work, something like that happens. And that's what happens with Anna Taylor Joy's character, Matt Smith. He seems like this cool guy that's going to help her with her music career. But in actuality, no, he was a pimp and he pimped her out. Um, and he was, and then, you know, she, when she refused to stop working for him, that's when he tried to kill her. And that's when she turned the tables on him. And then that's when she kind of became a serial killer, killing all these different Johns basically that were coming to have sex with her that she trapped and she slit their throats, stabbed them to death. And then I would like to point out that a lot of those Johns that she kills, almost all of them were ones that she basically had, he basically forced her to have sex with. Okay, they weren't new people. They were ones that were... There were some new, but a lot of them were previous Johns that he had, like, middle-aged men that she had asked him to sleep with. Oh, okay. Yeah, we see a lot of them them coming up to her at a nightclub in one scene. Yeah, a lot of them them are the previous characters in which he told told her to sleep with, and she's, like, getting revenge on them. It's like this movie suddenly becomes I Spit On In Your Grave for, like, like, ten minutes. Okay. So, so yeah, so she basically, you know, got the revenge there and then hid the bodies like in the house, like under the floorboards and, you know, you know, and all that other stuff. So that's the big, and then Sandy, so like we said, well, she didn't, she, she didn't get killed. And it turns out the Sandy character is actually the, the Diana Rigg character, the landlord lady that owns the, the, the house that owns the property that, you know, she's written the room out of. Um, so that's kind of like the big twist there, um, there that happened. So what confused me is... Mm-hmm. One, she has the picture of herself, one, on the wall in her in her place, which is like, okay, like you, I, I think there was a scene prior to that where um, Ellie did go into her room. It's like, okay, this is this big picture on the wall. You never saw that? Like, you know what I mean? But, okay, I guess, okay, she didn't see that until now. Okay, I guess I can excuse that. That's whatever. Um, but also, it's that, again, like we said, with her ability of communicating with the dead people, like, because the Johns are the ones that are, you think they're the ones trying to kill her. No, they're trying to communicate with her, like, hey, avenge us. You know what I mean? Hey, you know, help us, because she's the one to kill her. And it's funny when that happened, because, like, when the ghosts, like, actually say, like, hey, try to help her. She's just like, nah, I'm good. Now, nah, you you kind of deserved it. I'm, I'm sticking with the woman. <laughs> you kind of. I appreciate it. <laughs> I greatly appreciated that moment where it's just like, nah, dude, you guys, like, you deserve what you got. Yeah, yeah. You know? And that and that's what I was referring to earlier, where I was like, "Oh, is he going to screw up this whole thing about like showing how horrible the exploitation of women was in the '60s?" Like, if he had written, if him and uh, his co-writer, who we haven't mentioned yet, uh, Christy Wilson mm-hmm. Cairns, I think is her name, who wrote yeah. 1917 and Petty Dreadful before this, 
Yeah, uh, if they had written it to where she was like, okay, I'm going to help you, I'm going to avenge you, I'm going to kill her, then it's sort of like, no, you just blew this whole thing. Like, you were walking this tightrope so well, and you just fucking tripped and fell. But the, the fact that they had her say, no, fuck you, you deserved it, I was like, okay, thank you. you like, you're staying consistent. That's Yeah, and then, and then the only reason all this works out is literally just by happenstance. It's just like, okay, all right, things are just kind of falling apart. Just, just get out of here. And so, like, by happenstance, it, it, it saves those spirits, too. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so that's kind of, like, the big the big thing that happened, the big twist there that, that, that kind of happened. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. She was just like, yeah, nah, I'm good. <laughs> like, I'm good. I kind of, uh, yeah, I was like, I'm going st- to stick with the woman. She, she kind of was right in the way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, she. Yeah. Yeah, she's kind of right. Go to, I'm not going to go to jail for avenging the wrongs that were done to me. Yeah, basically, yeah. Um, so I thought, I so I thought that was, I thought that was kind of cool. I thought that was kind of funny there. Um, but yeah. yeah, so what kind of, so the thing was that kind of confused me was one, the whole thing with her ability of being yeah. able to communicate. So I got the, the 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 Johns were trying to talk to her, but why would she see the murder of Anna Taylor Joy? If they were trying to convince her to uh, get, you know, convince her to, you know, kind of be on their side. So why would she see yeah. that instead of seeing what actually happened? So I was kind of confused about that. Um, and I was, I, I guess, kind of that that's what kind of big thing that kind of tripped me up. So what, what do you think about that? Uh, you bring up an interesting point. The best I can figure is that. She's probably never had like this much, this much of an interaction with supernatural forces beforehand. Before, like when she was just lived at home with her grandma, the only real interactions we know of that she had, in terms of like interacting with pe- with dead people, was her mom. And her mom wasn't malevolent. She wasn't like trying to convince her of something or tell her of something. And it's a pre- it was a pretty light presence. It's usually just her looking at a, from a mirror, like. Hi, how are you doing? I'm glad you're okay. Whereas yeah. with this, it's like so much of it is coming at her all at once, and so it's pro- she's probably never had to deal with that before. So she's trying to process it all at once, and as a result, she may be getting some details scrambled, like particularly the murder. Like she could be getting mixed up just because she's never had to deal with this much of this particular thing before, so she can't process everything correctly. Okay. Dusk, what do you think about that? Um, that's a nice explanation, but I'm on dead. Like you mentioned earlier, the movie Dead Zone. I think that's a great example. Uh, thing about Dead Zone is you need to really establish powers immediately. Dead Zone is very clear. Hey, I touch you, I can see a potential future uh, as a, of your of your death, or I can see something happening, or something happened to someone that could potentially lead to their death. When I see a body, oh, I know what happened to them. I know what happened, like that. He has a very set limit on exactly what he can do and exactly what is his powers. You know what they're doing. We don't really get that here. It's kind of all over the place. Because really, if you break it down, yeah, you're right. Why, why would these spirits show her an opposite vision of what they would actually want her to see? It's almost as if they wrote a movie and they needed that to happen in order for the movie <laughs> to do the movie. Yeah. So... And then, I, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of a plot hole in the fact that they don't really explain what you can do. Even the communications between the spirits are kind of—it's not very 
super great. There was a movie called uh, Blue Velvet. Mm. Uh, sorry, not not Blue Velvet. That's a different movie. That's the that's the David Lynch movie. There's another movie where it was a, it's a Mexican one where this, he could see spirits too, but they would like look like really kind of creepy and on the ceiling and anywhere he could see. It seems like very what her ability could do was both limited, but also she could just see spirits and get spooked. If not, but she could only really communicate with people if she saw them through a mirror as well. You're just kind of like, one yeah. or the other, man. Pick something. Yeah. And I was also kind of like confused by the fact, like we said, they show us that she can communicate with the dead, but right. the Anna Taylor-Joy character, the whole reason- Yeah, she we, never died. She never died. So I was like, why? so why is she living through her if she never died? Like, why does she get to like somehow, you know what I mean? Like- you know, kind of vicariously mm-hmm. or just be her in this other timeline. Right. And this, so I was like, I was kind of confused on that. And then and she can feel, she apparently can feel what, uh, what Sandy felt. Cause in the very first scene, like when she wakes up, she has a hickey on her neck that jacket left her. I'm like, Oh shit. Are we going to go into like real dark territory where she could feel every horrible thing that's going to happen to Sandy's character. Yeah. And aside from a few other things, they really don't like, so you're like, okay, so Why'd you even bring that up? Yeah, that that was kind of, yeah, because I was like, when it gets into the dark reveal of what was happening to the Sandy character, if she was being pimped mm-hmm. out, it's like, I, it seems like she can run away and go into like another period of her life where that didn't happen, like fast forward. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. is she experiencing that? I don't, I don't really know. Um, so that was kind of. I, I thought kind of confusing when they introduced the whole hickey thing. I was like, oh, so she, cause she, so if it'd be a situation, there's a danger. Yeah, it's it's like a, a a danger there. So I was like, so you know, so I so that didn't really come into play all that much. I thought either, and then so yeah, so I was kind of confused by that of like, why is she living through the Anna Taylor Joy character? She never died, so how can she go to the sixties and like what, what was kind of happening there? So the interesting, it would have been interesting though, and I don't know if they set that up, but I would have forgiven it if the reason she was having the dreams was in a really fucked up way. She was experiencing the life through Jack. Like, if one of the bodies was, like, Jack and she was, it was in her room, mm. then that would make sense. Oh, I think I'm experiencing from Sandy's point of view. But, no. I'm actually experiencing through Jack. At least in that way, you could probably be kind of explained where Jack's kind of being like, no, I, I was the one who committed this. I didn't, I don't want to do, I didn't want to do that. That's his own ego going in his own head. And the other spirits are trying to pull that away. Because mm. that's not the truth. But, yeah. nah. The way it is, it's kind of you're like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, Chris, what did you, so? What did you think about that kind of? Uh, you do raise a good point. They do say that, like the like Sandy died, like she like they do. Ha- Diana Rigg does say like Sandy did die that day, and a new person was born. But yeah, that's still like a little yeah. bit of a stretch. <laughs> That's yeah. more like yeah, like meta- that's a metaphorical, metaphorical death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meta- uh, metaphorical, exactly. Sorry, my literal. spirit powers don't work on metaphors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you do raise a good point with that. My big question that I alluded mm-hmm. to earlier is: so they mention Diana Rigg tells her when she first gets there that they live next to this uh, Frenchy restaurant. I forget what they're called. French something. Cafe Paris. Uh, not Cafe de Paris. It's some place where they make garlic all the time, and she oh, says, yes, "Like yeah. you live here long enough, all you're ever gonna smell is garlic." And I raise you a question, guys: mm. Do you think the smell, the overwhelming smell of garlic, is enough to overcome 
the overwhelming smell of decomposing dead bodies buried in the walls and underneath the floorboards. See, that would have been cool. And that's something Edgar Wright, I could totally see him putting that in as something, a little detail. That would have been a really nice detail. Yeah. It's too bad that's never alluded to again. Yeah. Yeah, th- th- like that. Like it's implied that that's why nobody ever like figured out that. Oh, she's hiding dead bodies here. But still, it's like I don't know if that would quite happen that way. I think the smell of rotting corpses would smell far stronger than even the best garlic in the entire world. Right. So, so not to get in, not to put my real life in the way of things, but as someone who has smelled necrotic flesh before because of my job, or at mm, least oh. what I've I've had to do for criminology and having to be in a morgues. You don't forget that smell. Nothing is going to, like, very few things are going to overpower the, the smell of a corpse. That's an instinctual smell. It is like a snap of my fingers. You're going to immediately go, oh, shit, something died here. Yeah. Doesn't matter how much. It's just all at that point, you're just going to be like, why did someone put garlic on a corpse? Right. That's basically what you're going to smell. Yeah. And but it- that's a nice try. Um, I was not expecting anyone here to have actual experience with dead bodies. Uh, <laughs> thank you for, thank you for I, telling me that. No, no, it's okay. I, it's just I had to learn about that stuff when I was studying criminal, criminology in order to uh, get into the field I was going after. And I had to look at more stuff. And uh, you just, you as soon as you smell it, you, you know what it is. So I've had personal experience, ever so briefly, but at least being like, yep, that's what it smells like. Yeah. Yeah. Um smelling gasoline. You, you, you know what it is. Yeah. So also so was it that so did it was it that she just got her revenge of killing those dudes and that was it, or did she kind of continue through So what? they're very vague on that. That's also another thing I wanted to bring up. That would have actually presented real danger, is that she was still a dangerously unhinged individual. But it seemed like after she was kind of done with that, she's like, Okay, and I'm done. But you broke my rule, so I'm gonna keep. So even you know the truth now, and I must kill. Like, why does she care? Like, it's been a years and years and later. She's been hiding it, and she can clearly like she kind of has a little bit of a bond with Ellie. You're like, all right, kid, just take care of yourself, okay? Yeah. Don't end up like me. Like Ellie's not gonna tell anybody. Right. She admires Sandy. Why? Why would she like tell? There's really no reason to. Right. Nor to stab John. Yeah. Like. I'm- it, even the whole like poisoning, like you know too much. I'm like, what? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I thought that was a little wild because I was just kind of like, okay, so you know the whole thing of like, well, the police came to my door, but they don't believe you anyway because they think you're nuts. So it's like, okay, well, seems like it's good there, anyway. Also, and- what's the yeah? What was the point of them alleging that? Oh, no one in the police department believes them, which is a little BS. But at least there was like one woman at the department. Was like, I'll look into it. And you're like, but that never goes anything back to that. Well, I mean, there's nothing to look kind into. Kind of, sort of. I mean, there's nothing to look into because nobody ever died. Sandy never did. This true, but I was into. hoping that that was going to lead to something. That that was going to be an investigation, or we might have a, a hot fuzz moment where, like, oh my god, they found like the policewoman tied up, and Ellie's like, oh no, you can't do this. Now you, that would have given a reason. Mm. Oh no, there's like a, a person that was trying to investigate this and then she's like, oh, she could be dying. I got to help out. Yeah. Yeah. I, but, yeah. The the poisoning thing, I was just like, I don't, yeah, I don't know. That, that, that also would have been a nice, that also would have been a nice little twist if she did that thing to the police cop who was trying to solve the murders. It's like, look at what you've become. You're causing violence towards women as a woman. Look what they've made you into. And then she's like, oh no, I've become the very thing I hate. <laughs> Uh, what have I become? Uh, uh, 
yeah, I just so did I mean, did you all kind of throughout piece it together, kind of the mystery a little bit or no? Uh, a little bit for me. Like I, I had a feeling that mm. Terrence Stamp wasn't going to turn out to be Matt yeah. Smith when Sam Claflin who most of you may know from Hunger Games as Finnick, yeah. when he has his little cameo in the nightclub as the cop. Because I looked at him and was like, huh, he kind of looks a little like a young Terrence Stamp, more so than Matt Smith. It's like, wait a minute, is that what they're going to do? And then later on they do it. Oh, oh, that wasn't Matt Smith's character. That was this right. other guy. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah so, so that part I figured out, but uh, the rest of it, no. I bought the Andy had died, hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. I... I was on the, for the. I didn't believe that he was going to be. He was going to be the red herring. I believe that, but I also, knowing Edgar Wright from the movies I've seen, I'm like, nah, it's a little too obvious. Mm. There's got to be a twist here. It's just unfortunate that the twist I got was like, I felt was a little was like sloppy, and I'm like, yeah, that that doesn't seem like what you would do, Edgar. I'm I'm surprised. You're way more clever with that. Yeah, it just it just feels like. It's like, yeah, kind of like I said, whether you're doing a murder mystery, the the, the ending, the conclusion, you gotta nail it. It's got to be really good, and and not just something that it feels like just comes out of nowhere. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it just feels like that. You got to put the, yeah, yeah. The best murder mysteries are you can figure it out along with the audience. And I was looking at all the clues and trying to pay attention to it. And I'm put, trying to put together, and what I thought was going to happen, or at least what I thought was going to be, kind of sort of came true, but it was like in a way that I was like, there's no way that. I didn't even think they were going to do something like that where it's a, oh, because that didn't make any sense based on the things you've given us. Yeah. I mean, if you just, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess, I mean, last word on this um, and we're going to wrap yeah, it up. But, absolutely. Um, but I guess if you just not had had it where it was purely through Ellie going through Sandy's experience mm -hmm. where more, she was more of an outsider, more of like, she was able to like look in like the whole event. Yeah. So it wasn't like just strictly from her POV. So it's like when yes. you're going through there, it's like, okay, now we can see like maybe the big twist is it was Jack, this guy, the one that was toying with her, the spirit and making her, you know, kind of see these things in different events. And so, you know, make make it look one way and everything like that and all these other ghosts and all this other yeah. stuff. Maybe. I don't That's know. That's actually a great way of just making this fit a lot better and especially if she's sitting on a pile of bodies inside of a building just having a whole perspective it's just this location and this area and the individuals in it it can be like oh and their memories of who the sandy person is and then when that twist comes you're like oh i never died and i've been like the serial killer you're like oh oh like then this all led up to this then it'd be like oh girl you're in real danger you're you've been sleeping on like what she's done yeah, yeah. And then I'd be like, "Oh, okay." That then that's way more tension. Yeah, um, and yeah. would also have tied back into the theme of the you don't know. He's like, you think you love something like, "Oh, Sandy's so cool. She's such a cool woman, whatever." And then like, "Oh, <laughs> it's not quite what you think." Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Oh man. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris, any last words on it, man? Uh no, I feel like I've said everything I need to say. Okay, all right. Uh, let me get let me get Nick back uh, here real quick. Let me Nick take Nick uh, Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. But I still I still liked it a lot. Um, 
mm-hmm. and everything right. like um i just i never yeah. said i disliked it oh yeah i'm just i'm just saying yeah i still i still enjoyed it i still i still really enjoy even though the mm-hmm. ending was was kind of there and then also i didn't understand the point of him being hit by a car i didn't get that I didn't oh that. yeah I, didn't I was like what i didn't understand the point of that but okay. <laughs> like sure okay um yeah yeah but uh yeah i didn't get that um hey nick hey what's going on man yeah yep yeah um so when anna taylor joy when she shows up in internals that's great um when she makes the ca- cameo there you know <laughs> that's great um the, the ending yeah I would welcome that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Turns out, yeah, turns out, awesome. uh, Thomas and McKenzie's character. She's she's gonna be in Avengers. She's gonna, she's gonna be. A, yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be so awesome. Yeah. Oh, so so she goes to sleep and then she wakes up. At you got it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's that's a stinger when they at the end of the credits when they showing all the London streets. Nick Fury just comes out and goes like, you know, it's like, oh yeah. So you can see dead people. I see. Okay. Um, yeah. I'd like to talk to you about the Avengers Initiative, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Like, yeah. I want you to talk to Tony Stark for me. You know, tell him, <laughs> tell him he fucked up the world tell- immensely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, talk John- to Tony Stark. His fucking baggage keeps fucking up Peter Parker's life. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's life. What do you mean, just Peter Parker's? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. T- yeah Tony Stark. Even in Clark Kent. Even in um, the the multiverse, even in what if Tony Stark still fucking yeah. that shit, <laughs> still his <Yeah>. mistake. <laughs> fucking Tony even. Stark does do. Yeah, Tony Stark is the greatest villain of the MCU. It's not even Thanos or nah. even Kang. Yeah. Not at all. Nah. <laughs> um. Well, thank you, thank you, Chris, for coming on, man. I had a pleasure talking about last night in Soho with you, man. I loved it, man. Yeah, loved it. Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, is anyone you promote? Uh, anything you got going on? You know, I know you got you got a letterbox now. You want to hear people? You know, get your letterbox reviews. You got those out now. Uh, yes, my letterbox. You can find it by either. Uh, I'm still not quite sure how it works. Like it's some like sometimes it's my my regular name Chris Ayers, and then sometimes it's like you got to search Ayers Force One, like A Y R E S, and then Force One all in one word. Like so. Yeah, that part's a little wonky to me, but still, search one of those things and you should be able to find me. It's also in my bio on my Instagram page, uh, ChrisAirs123. Find me there. Yeah. And uh, how do you spell Ayers for the people, just in case they don't know? A Y R E S. All right. Great, man. I'm going to be putting your links in the video. Going to be doing that, man. Thanks for coming on, man. Have a good one. Uh, yeah, you get you too. Take care, guys. Take care. Bye. Mm. Bye-bye. Um. All God right. Damn it, trying to steal my job. <laughs> uh, uh, nah, he's good. Yeah, good guy. Yeah, I like Chris Ayers a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess. Uh, I guess Josh has been watching Succession, and he's just like, it's like showing you, hey, you are replaceable. Yeah. <laughs> Don't I, you, boy. I'll take this whole thing with me. Uh, I've, uh, yeah, I've been meaning to watch Succession. I haven't seen that. I've been meaning to watch this. I hear it's great. It's solid, it's... dude. Yeah. No, it's really solid. Oh. Yeah, I've only caught like the first episode, but I I want to binge it. If yeah. you thought Omni Man was a bad father, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, oh, to express, yeah, we're gonna be doing the Witcher trailer uh, just in a bit because I know the season two trailer dropped. Uh, Nick's gonna give his review of the mm-hmm. Last Duel. And Javon Good, yeah, Cowboy Bebop. We're gonna be discussing that trailer just right after Nick gives his review of the Last Duel. Um, so Nick, um, hey, give us your review there, man. Okay, so the Last Duel is uh, the latest film uh, directed 
Ridley Scott, who, um, if you followed cinema in any kind of facet over, let's say, the last 40 years conservatively, you know who Ridley Scott is. He is the man who gave us stuff like uh, Gladiator, stuff like Kingdom of Heaven, uh, and Aliens. And for me, I think uh, Ridley Scott is kind of one of those directors where he he constantly flip-flops around between something that's absolutely spectacular, even recently something like The Martian, and something that is mid would be putting it very kindly. Mm. Okay. Mid would be very putting it very kindly like he does with uh, Alien Covenant. But here I think um uh, I think the script and the structure that he uses here are kind of what make this movie very special because this is written it's uh the screenplay here is uh written by uh Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and uh, Nicole Holofcener. And what this deals with the story of, it's a story about sexual assault back in the late 1300s. And going with more of the, kind of the themes of, that you brought up with uh, Last Night in Soho, how, how, like, how little we have come when it comes to crimes like misogyny, crimes that deal with uh, this heavy subject matter. I think Ridley Scott, he does it in in uh in a manner that i think uh because the crime in question it's shown twice in brutal graphic and very triggering detail for for people but i think that was kind of necessary to show to showcase one one because the th- film is divided into three acts the truth according to uh, Jean de Carouge, who's uh, Matt Damon's character, the truth according to uh, Jacques Legree, who is Adam Driver, and then the third act, which I think is the finest act of this film, and to my understanding, the one that's almost that uh, Nicole Holofcener had the most input on was the truth according to Marguerite de Carouge. And the biggest telling thing is uh, after the name fades away, it just highlights the truth of what happened. And mm-hmm. And one, if uh, if uh, House of Gucci wasn't coming out later this, I feel like this that uh, Ridley Scott should be campaigning towards the Oscars because everything about this is fucking phenomenal. This was uh, amazing star making performances from uh, Jodie Comer, who's having a great year just off of Killing Eve and a uh, a Free Guy, which was a very light hearted. Uh, portrayal adam driver once again showing why he is one of the greatest working actors today the only real weak link i had with this was matt damon Mm. because i think uh his character is kind of dry but that's also the nature of that kind of person um and but uh the one thing that really shocked me how much fun i had with him was ben affleck who's kind of this anachronistic playboy who just wants to drink party and fuck yeah and he was so entertaining to watch every time he was on screen but the heavier thematic elements they worked so well and um and it was quotes because uh back then rape it was not a crime against uh its victim it was a crime against the husband it was it was a property crime and the language and rhetoric that is used during the whole uh, initial trial sequence, it's quotes that could be pulled straight from Fox News. It, right. it, it's very horrifying to hear. 
and how how little we have come when it comes to dealing with crimes like this. But the more entertaining aspects, like the battle sequences, these are some of the best that really Scott's ever done. I put this way above what he was doing with stuff like Gladiator and the final duel. It is in a it is a marvel in stunt work and choreography to watch. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Yeah, I thought it was yeah really really good. Yeah, the final duel. I mean, it lives up to it being called the last duel because it's like yeah, it, it, it mm-hmm. the money really pays off there. So, yeah, I I think the the duel in this, the performances from both uh, Jodie Comer and uh, Adam, though there are some of my favorite performances of the year. I absolutely adored this film. I gave it a I give it a strong nine out of ten. This this is one that I took my girlfriend to see and she absolutely loved it it was one of the few times we've watched a movie together where she was completely engrossed by the screen mm-hmm. um yeah because you've, you've talked about your girl and sometimes you know she you know falls asleep in movies and this was two hours and you know 43 minutes so yeah what, this this is not a short movie this is pushing three hours yeah so what really kept her engaged with with this movie hmm. i think uh with her we talked about it it was kind of in a way, this very uh, uh, modern feminist story, but in the context of the uh, of 1300s France and just the performances and the structure that constantly keeps you engaged. Oh, hey, thanks a lot, Julian. Hey, thanks for the raid, man. What? Hey, thanks. Yo! Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate that. Julian Hemdinger coming in with the raid. Hey, man, really appreciate it. I love you for that, man. Uh, hope you had a great stream. I saw you there, um, you know, kind of streaming. I wasn't able to join because obviously I was doing my stream. But, hey, man, thank you a lot, man. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you for all the follows. I think with all those followers, we just probably cracked 100. Actually, we just got to 100 followers. Actually, I think we just went over. Oh, shit, we did. Yeah, so yes. yeah. So that's awesome. We got our first 100 followers. Thank you. Divine Miss Klein, she's always a great person. So that is awesome. Hey, thank you, guys. Thank you, Retro Peach, um, a lot for coming in. Really appreciate it. Thank you guys for coming in from Julian's stream. Really admire that. So, yeah, we just had a great time. We were just doing uh, Last Night in Soho. We just, uh, Nick just did uh, The the Night House, and he's doing his review for Last Duel. So, hey, uh, didn't mean to interrupt you there, Nick. Go ahead, man. Finish your thoughts there. Oh, yeah, the performances are what make this film special, and the the structure of it just, uh, essentially, the structure is pulled something like Ashima, where we're getting a getting the story from three different perspectives and what works so well about it is enough pieces are left out of each story to that because we are dealing with uh, at least two unreliable narrators and that's kind of what kept me engaged mm. like uh like um even in uh in something that was shocking even in um, something like a Matt Damon segment, he still was not really admo- uh, sugarcoating how much of a kind of an asshole he is. <laughs> and then you see, and then you see kind of uh, the story from Comer's perspective. And yeah, he's a dick. Mm, it would yeah. really suck to be married to that guy. Yeah, I I, I kind of felt you know because like with Matt Damon, he's such like this working stiff kind of guy. Like you said, mm-hmm. he's really financially strapped, and like I said, it's like you know, and he's got the boss and Ben Affleck who really does not like him in any way, and that's why I said it's really like working with somebody. <laughs> it's the boss. Know. It's the boss that no matter how good of a job you do, he's just always gonna say, "Fuck this guy." Yeah. Oh man. 
Uh, so, so what would you, uh, did you give a final rating for it? Like number four? Yeah, this is, this is very high up on my, uh, I give it a strong nine out of 10. Yeah. And I think I missed it. So what did you say was the thing that really attracted your girl to this, this movie? Like what was kind of the main thing that she really liked about it? It, it, it was the, it was the structure. It, it was kind of how, uh, different dynamics among the characters changes depending on who's telling the story. Okay. Like, uh, initially, at the start of it, when we're getting it from uh, Damon's perspective, it's like, uh, yeah, me and uh, me and uh, Jacques Legree were friends up until um, he kept fucking around with uh, Ben Affleck and currying his favor. And uh, Jacques, it's like, come on, I know he's like a stick in the mud, but he's still my friend. Yeah. And now I want to fuck his wife. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah, I, th- I thought... That I th- and Marguerite's I th- perspective... They both suck. Yeah. I mean, and being a woman in the 1300s is, is kind of terrible. And what I, what I, what I thought was kind of, well, this wasn't funny, but it was kind of just absolutely, it just shows you the mindset of that period of time where, because like you said, it shows from different perspectives of each of the three, you know, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Adam Driver. And when it shows it from Adam mm-hmm. Driver's perspective of the whole, you know, inc- you know the rape that kind of happened. It wasn't really all that much different from her perspective. It just was like that mindset that he had of mm. like, I can do this because she's invited me to do this. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? It's it's like mm. just that just that absolute mindset there. You know what I mean? Um, in her version, mm-hmm. it was much more you know rough and much more aggressive. But uh, you know, with his version, it was still practically the same. But it was just kind of like, yeah, I mean, it was still rape. It wasn't like even like you know they yeah kissed. I, yeah I I think what. Uh what uh, solidifies that mindset is because you get a very scene uh, earlier on in one of Ben Affleck's many orgies that happen in this film. It, it, it plays out almost the exact same way, but I think in uh, that scene in his mind, it was more playful than it was uh, anything sinister. Yeah. And it just goes to show how horrific this kind of crime is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Um, all right. So, uh, moving on to our final topics of the day. Dusk, have you seen The Last Duel at all? By any chance? I want to. I just have not had the time. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's I like something I would, mm. I would be into. Okay. Yeah, I recommend checking it out when you get the chance. I recommend nice. it. Definitely um, will. Yeah. Um, all right. So, we're going to be discussing our last stuff um, of the day. We're going to be getting into some trailers. Uh, we're going to be discussing the trailers there. So we're going to be discussing Cowboy Bebop, um, that trailer drop, Lightyear, and Witcher, and as well as Hawkeye. So we're going to be doing all those trailers there. So um, mm. coming up first, Cowboy Bebop. So this is a trailer for the live action show that's coming out on Netflix November 24th, uh, I believe it is coming out. Uh, the trailer for that. Um, I'm a huge fan of the anime, um, mm. probably like most people are. Um, if you look on any anime list, Cowboy Bebop's the greatest anime of all time. It's gonna be in the top five, top five, ten. Five. Yeah, I, I keep hear I keep hearing it's uh, probably one of the more accessible animes. If, like if you're not a fan of anime as a genre, this is probably the one you should watch first. Oh yeah, Cowboy absolutely. Bebop is Cowboy Bebop is one of the very few animes I would describe as classy, mm. where it is a very classy, very well done anime to which even anime fans can get into it, even if you're not that big anymore. Um, yeah, classy is the best way to describe it, and not many things in anime can be described as classy. Mm. So take that for what you will. Hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, like uh, Javon Good said, yeah, greatest one of the greatest animes of all time. I certainly think so. 
Um, and uh, it's coming out November 19th. Sorry about that. I said 24th. 19th is when it's coming out. And you get very much of the aesthetic from the Cowboy Bebop show, the music. Um, Cowboy Bebop is very much known for its inclusion of jazz. Yeah, this, yeah the same. Yeah, the same composer. It's this uh, Japanese jazz band, I believe. Yep. Yep. That's the name. Yeah. They have the iconic opening. Real folk that, blues. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, seatbelt. Excuse me. Tank is the name of Tank. the titular, uh, the title theme. Yeah. So that fucking amazing jazz track. Yeah, absolutely iconic. You know that. I mean, that whole track is one of the greatest anime openings of all time. Like that is so famous. Um, so with this, I mean, this live action version, I'm not. You know, be honest with you, I'm not expecting much, right? Like we just said. I mean, the anime mm, is one. Of the great, um, is one of the greatest. You know, animes of all time. And, you know, I get to, you know, they said that it's like, hey, we're going to be trying to do our own thing and we're going to try to be doing our own style. But it seems like they're just a lot cool. of it. Then don't have their same characters. Do your own thing. Yeah. I mean, like if you kind universe kinda... is big in Cowboy Bebop. Pick other mercenaries. Take place in the same universe. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you kind of want to still be attached to the universe, you could still maybe call it Cowboy Bebop. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like, for instance, like what Noah Holly did with Fargo. Like he did his own TV show yeah. Fargo, and then they didn't include any of the characters um, from the actual movies from Fargo. Best decision he d they did. Yeah, they didn't try to. And with him, what he did Fargo, it recreates kind of the style of the of the you know kind of the the Coen Brothers film, but it's still his own thing of you know Noah Hawley and, and his style you know and kind of his feel, and still gets that for without feeling like a copy um, of just Fargo the movie mm. just you know in a TV show distilled into a TV show. Um, this, it has, you know, this Cowboy Bebop, you know, one of the th different things I've seen of it, it just feels like, okay, they said that at one point they're going to try to do their own thing, but then it seems like with this trailer, they're recreating a lot of iconic moments from the anime, um, you know, and so I was just like, okay, well, you know, this, a lot of these scenes are straight ripped from the anime and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so what did you guys kind of think about the trailer and everything like that? <clears throat> uh, me... I, I think uh, it looks like a very very entertaining sci-fi show. Um, me, I don't really have any connection to Cowboy Bebop. I've never seen the... I never saw the anime, so I'm kind of coming into this uh, fresh and new. But um, I do like uh, the casting decisions that are here. John Cho, I think, is, one of, is a criminally underrated actor that uh, was kind of one of my heroes because uh, he led a... He led a it was a fucking Asian man leading a comedy back in the early 2000s uh, with Harold and Kumar. Mm, yeah. yeah. And I do like uh, Mustafa Shakur playing uh, Jet Black and uh, Daniela Panetta, who's Faye Valentine. One, I think she's... One, I got a massive crush on her. And two, I think uh, she's really charming and she could really pull off a character very well. Mm. Okay. Uh, Dusk? Uh... Right from the get-go in this inception from the cast list, I asked a lot of questions on what their intent for this show was. First and mm. foremost, no matter how the show ends or begins or does what it does, the anime will always exist. It will mm. always be there, and that's that's fine. That's, that's good. I'm glad that people... And because of this announcement, more people are getting into the show and realizing how great of a show it was, and I'm happy mm. about that, if anything. But I do think this, just from the premise alone, this show is is doing it wrong. Uh, I think the actors that they chose are fine. They're fine enough. They'll do fine. But I do take umbrage with their casting. 
the characters are already, if you want to talk about diversity, you want to talk about whatever, you already had a diverse cast. Spike Spiegel, in character, was a German Jew born on Mars. Uh, Jet Black, he was a Jap- he's a Japanese former police officer. Faye Valentine was born in Singapore, is a, is born on, is a Singaporean. Ed is like a mixed, is a mixed race that not even the fans know quite who, who she is, who they are. And you got a dog named Ein. You already have a fairly diverse cast already from the get-go. And then in this new one, we have um, Cho, uh, Cho, shoot, what's his name John again? Cho. I'm sorry, Nick. John Cho. John Cho. I like him a lot. Too damn old to be playing Spike Spiegel. Yeah. Sorry. Too damn old to be playing the part. Um, Would have made a great black, though. Would have made really made a cool uh, character if they wanted to go in that range. Hmm. Uh, I like the actor who plays Jet Black, but that's that's just not the character for what it is. And I don't have any problems with the woman who plays Faye Valentine, but I don't know if she's seen the show, so I'll, I'll leave up everyone's characterization. But just from the get-go, you either have two different decisions. You're either going to make this your own thing, or you're going to, from what I've seen in the trailer, it's taking straight shots from the anime. So so what is it? Are you just doing a recreation of a live-action version of Cowboy Bebop? If you're going to do that, cool, I already got the anime. Why am I going to watch this? Yeah. And if you're going to do something new, then you need to go, why are you playing the characters that these people love and you've replaced them with completely new characters in the, in the means of diversity? I, I don't understand. You're pissing off both camps now. Pissing <laughs> off old fans and the new fans are like, okay, well, I'm just going to see the same thing I could have seen in the other thing, so why am I watching a show? Yeah. I don't understand what the purpose of the show is. And the show looks fine to me, honestly. Just taking all that aside, it looks fine. I'm sure it'll actually be pretty decent. Yeah. But I, I just am curious. It, I, I'm racking my brain trying <laughs> to understand why you would do this. Mm. Yeah. Of all the shows... Of all anime, the one one of the few that you probably could do in a fairly realistic light. Um, Cowboy Bebop's a fine choice, but I don't know. If you want to go horror, why don't you pick Black Lagoon? Mm. Probably gonna get you could have had the same <laughs> cast being Black Lagoon, and that would have been probably a better fit. Although that might be too rated R even for Netflix. Mm. Okay, I mean, I've never I, I've never seen Black Lagoon myself. So Black Lagoon is fucked up. Mm-hmm. It is horrendously as like, but it's fairly realistic, and so you might get something. And there's everyone is a cast. There's a black captain. There's a Japanese who is to be a salary man who ends up joining the crew. There's a Chinese. He's like there's a Chinese a woman who is um wears short shorts and has twin revolvers that she calls cutlasses. Okay. There are a bunch of pirates, and then you see their adventures of horrible, awful, violent adventures. And there's also a maid that carries a gun. So sure, it's anime, yeah. but it's horribly violent. If you want to do something like that, go ahead. But for science fiction, I don't know, man. That's just my feeling on it. As a fan of the show, that's just me. Okay. Yeah, I pulled up some pictures of stream of Black Lagoon. Some I I didn't I couldn't put up because some are yeah pretty graphic here. <laughs> yeah, I might get banned on. I Twitter. told you. I might get. That's banned. what I'm saying, man. Yeah, I might get banned on Twitter. I purposely. But if you want to pull, but if you want to do some real more animes that are quote unquote more realistic. There's a bunch of other save you a lot more money too. Yeah. 
Um, as far as the casting goes, um, John Cho, like you said, I think he's too old to kind of play Spike Spiegel. I mean, now that, you know, Nick has introduced me to Warrior, and then now I'm seeing Andrew Koji, and then, you know, I've also seen him as, um, in Snake Warrior Eyes. Warrior was great. Um, Storm Shadow. I think Andrew Koji would have probably made the greatest ch- choice to play, um, pick to play Spike Spiegel. I think he's got the swagger for it. He's obviously got the martial arts skills for it. And, I mean, I'd say John Cho, I mean, you see him with his shirt off in the trailer, and he looks good. I mean, looks good. I mean, the guy is 49 years old, about to, you know, about to be 50. Yeah, I mean, the guy's, like, no the guy's almost 50 and is in better shape than I will ever no. be. Yeah. Dude, no disrespect. Like I said, no disrespect to the, that man. Great job. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm Yeah, and, and for me, it, it was kind of, uh, it's kind of a, he's kind of been one of Hollywood's unsung, like, most consistent talents, and he's getting... Uh, the Very lead in a so. property that's as high profile as Cowboy Bebop. So yeah. e- even even if I have uh, uh, my issues with uh, his casting as Spike, I I'm happy to see the guy get uh, a project like this. Yeah. I would love to have seen him as serious though. Mm. Okay, if you know who that character is. If not, you I guess you will in this show. Yeah, because they bring in a lot of not only just the main core, they also bring in Vicious, who was Spike's you know main enemy from the anime as well. Uh, they bring, That's what I meant, Vicious. Um, they also bring in the the other fellow like Black Bounty Hunter, like the guy with the afro. I forgot that character's name, um, but they also bring in him. Um, you know, who was also a big figure in the anime. You see, also in the in the trailer for the show, they bring in the villain from one of the episodes of the show. Um, you also see, uh, who's another character I also saw here that they're also going to bring in. Um, but they also, I don't think I saw him in the trailer, but the, like the non-binary character, um, you know, I think they reimagine him, uh, Grin in this. Um, they have him in here, um, as well, um, who's played by non-binary actor, um, who's going to show up here. So, you know, they kind of bring in kind of all these other characters and other side characters from the anime into this so it's like okay that you know it's pretty much you're just doing it and the look of the show i don't really like the look of it i think it looks kind mm-hmm. of cheap i mean also that's the problem when you're doing a big sci-fi show yeah uh, man and um that's what i'm trying to say like i don't know why they're putting so much money it's gonna look like this they might as well save themselves some time yeah so i do not like kind of look of it um the the guy's playing Jet Black, uh, Mustafa Shakur, who we saw he was a uh, Bushmaster in Luke Cage season two. Um, he was yeah, like, who who again because uh, the fucking Television Academy hates uh, genre stuff. He, I think he should have gotten the best supporting actor. Luke Cage. I mean, he was a fun. He was great on that on that season. He was one of the highlights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, here it seems like he's trying to emulate the voice of the voice actor who was the voice of Jet Black the in the mm. in the English version. Um, mm. and it seems like he's trying to do the voice there, and I think he he nails the voice. Him trying to trying to do the voice, I think he sounds a lot like Jet Black from you know what the anime uh, series was. Um, I haven't seen much of the work uh, from the woman that's playing um, Faye Valentine, uh, who's Danielle uh, Benita. I haven't seen much of her work. Um, she was in the originals. She was also in Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. Oh, she was the person that was the other assistant to the to the screaming mm-hmm. black nerd. Oh, I forgot. I forgot that. Um, right. Yeah, the the one that pulled the uh, pulled the gun and said, uh, "I'm a I'm a biologist. Do as I say." That whole movie's a mess. Yeah. I f- oh. Yeah. That 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 movie's a f- that movie's fucking terrible. Yeah. A- as it is Jurassic World, mm-hmm. I do not get the for that movie mm, it's yeah. mostly dinosaurs fighting i will say this i don't know if you will mention this 
But the Japanese voice actors who played all their roles will be respectively playing their characters again in the du- in the d- Japanese dub. Oh, ooh, nice. That's so neat. If you want, and you want it to be a little bit closer, just switch the Japanese dub, get the subs, English subs up, and you'll be listening to the characters reprising their voice act, voice acting. If you're from the Japanese voice actors, yeah. <laughs> Javon, good. Uh, he just Fallen Kingdom was. Jurassic Park movie ever. Um, I mean, dude, yeah. considering that franchise only has like two good movies, it's eh, not one a high and a clear. One and a half. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, but I'm. It's not a. It's not a. It's not a hard hurdle to jump. Right. Yeah. I mean, Jurassic Park movies. Yeah, a lot of them are. Yeah, garbage. Uh, but uh, with this, I mean, with Cowboy Bebop, so I mean, I'm gonna you know watch it. We're gonna review it. Um, we're gonna review the anime mm-hmm. uh, next week. Uh, we're gonna do that. We're gonna review because the anime series just appeared on Netflix. Uh, it came on Netflix like a couple of weeks They're ago. They're trying to redeem themselves. Yeah. Um, it's like, well, hey, if you don't. Hey, uh, more, more to your point. Uh, I think because uh, Cowboy Bebop, the live action, it's getting such a big push. It's mm-hmm. the. I think it's a win-win for Netflix. So either the live-action version does really well, or it drives people to check out the original anime, which they also have. So yep. they yep. play both sides, so yeah. they win. Yeah, yeah. that's the how the house always wins. Yeah, playing both sides. Yeah, that's how you always win. Um, yeah. So, so I mean, if this, you know, so they can always just like I said, at least it raises more interest in Cowboy Bebop again. People can check it out. So that may happen, and people go check out the anime. Um, and, and, and discover that all over again um, because I haven't watched Cowboy Bebop in years so it'd be interesting for me to watch it again because I haven't seen the Cowboy Bebop anime series since it came on Adult Swim um, and I used to watch it when I was a kid so it'd be, it'd be very interesting to watch it yeah, again and, and, and to, to hear that theme music again it's like oh yeah to, to just sometimes play it so um, yeah, yeah and, I really pre- du- and I really dug that thing uh, The Lost Session that little short that they put out, that really hyper-stylized uh, thing. I thought that short was a lot of fun. And if the show goes for something closer to that style, then I think it, 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 it'll it be really cool. I don't know. I, I wasn't a huge fan of that show. I thought some of the dialogue in that short mm-hmm. was kind of bad. I don't know. I thought, I thought some of the delivery of some kind of stuff was kind of bad, but I don't know. But we'll see. We'll see on November 19th. We'll see, though. Um, all right, so moving on from discussing Cowboy Bebop, uh, next trailer we're going to discuss is Lightyear. Um, so with this, uh, we have the guy that the action figure in the Toy Story universe is based on getting a movie, um, so at least that's, that's, <laughs> that's what they say. So I hope that wasn't too confusing. Chris Evans even put out a whole tweet about it. He put out a tweet about it. And it was like, just so you know, I'm not playing t- the action figure there, guy. I'm playing the guy that the action figure is based on in the movie. And it's like, okay, yeah, sure thing. You know, I'm still being, you know, I still work for Disney. Like, you know? I like Woody needed a, yeah, like Woody needed even more of a reason to hate Buzz. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so you have that here. Um, so you see kind of this trailer, so it seems like they're going like this super sci-fi route, um, with mm-hmm. this obviously since the character is, you know, an astronaut, um, and that element. Um, I will like, say, I've look at Dis- look at Disney's greedy ass. They already own Star Wars, so they're basically making another, like, a uh, space epic. Yeah, I mean, in the movie, yeah, obviously this being, being made by Pixar, Disney, it's, it, it looks great. I mean, it, it obviously looks very, very good. Um, you know, almost too good. <laughs> almost too good. 
okay. What do you like mean? Too realistic for a science fiction fantasy thing. Oh, I don't know. That, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I just it. Go ahead. I'll, I'll let you have your own thing. Oh, okay. So yeah. Um, I mean, I. I mean, they, they're making it so good that people are thirsting after you know Buzz Lightyear now. I mean, they're out there. Yeah, I mean, people, you know, redesign them, photoshopping them, giving them waves. <laughs> Buzz light skin. Yeah, giving them the waves, the AirPods, the do rag. They're, they're make. They're letting them have the vision treatment. Oh yeah. It's like a nah. It's like nah. Me and Jesse don't talk no. Yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Giving that. No, he. No, he was. Uh, oh yeah, he was dating Jesse. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the other yeah, cow- he was dating uh, the cowgirl. <laughs> yeah, because I forgot. Yeah, because I was, I was saying Woody dated uh, Lil Bo Peep. That's who he dated, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so you know that kind of looks. So, what did you guys think about the trailer? This movie looks like a soulless fucking cash grab, but I'm gonna be there day one to see it. Hmm. Okay. Oh lord. Uh, Dusk, what about you? <laughs> I couldn't agree more with man <laughs> Nick. Uh, I agreed. I take a little bit more umbrage because I don't know, but Disney's trying to make you forget. But there was this little show called Buzz Lightyear and Star Command. Right, that show was fucking awesome. They're trying to let you forget I, I about owned, it. Yeah, I owned the fucking VHS like direct-to-video movie that came out before it. As do I. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh. And it's voiced by Tim Allen, the man Allen, and uh, he he voices I it mean, on the show. He voices it. I don't mind him getting rid of him. Whatever. Shut up. Dude, dude was kind of dude. Dude was was super like COVID. Well, COVID was a hoax during the pandemic. So fuck that guy. Why you got to do this, Nick? You're on my side. Why are you doing this? Reality's coming, <sighs> Nick. Why are you doing this? Anyways, he had that show, and it was a good show. Patrick Warburton uh, played his role on the uh, show. Mm. Did a good job voicing That's it. That's an upgrade. We had- we had great he's like we had great characters. We had uh, Clara, we had X X one, and we had uh, the bumbling uh, janitor who ended up becoming his character. And I don't know why Disney keeps forgetting about it. They don't release it on it's not released on DVD at all, and it's not on Disney Plus. My hope is that maybe they'll put it on Disney Plus with this new Lightyear movie, but I doubt it because they're trying to make you forget about it because everything on this movie looks sterile. It looks super photorealistic, except for that crystal that they're putting into that system. And they're stepping away from a very sci-fi fantasy angle that they went with the toys and the character. And they're going with a very generic spaceman thing. Mm. So I don't know, man. I So yeah. I saw somebody bring up that cartoon. I remember that cartoon. I never watched it. So was that cartoon the same kind of premise of what this movie is? Where it's like not actually the toy, but it's... The guy that toys basically. Yes. Yeah, I, I think it's like the cartoon of which the toy in Toy Story is based on. Oh, correct. Okay. Based on the lore that's inside. Like, it's portraying Buzz Lightyear, the character that this toy is based on, and the adventures that he has with Star Command. So they go on adventures, go to different planets. He has like a, a trio of, of uh, partners, tr- sidekicks, and it's. There are different dilemmas and how they deal with different aliens and how they corral and protect the uh, the galaxy that they're in. It was a neat little show. Had a video game, had a DVD movie, slash so yeah. VHS movie, and it ran for about two seasons and it did fairly well. And then uh, and Pixar has notoriously hated it because it was 2D. 
even though they're the mm-hmm. ones that even though they're the ones that made the show and wrote the concept and helped <laughs> make it. Mm. Okay. Um, so watching this trailer, do you see any kind of characters like from that show at all? I doubt it. They don't. They don't want you to know about it. They don't care. It, uh, it doesn't look like it. No. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, apparently this is so far back. If it's, they're not gonna uncanonize it. They're just be like, this is bef- this is like before Star Command even started. He doesn't even have his space suit yet. Okay. He Han Solo has I, I, I Han swear, Solo hasn't gotten oh his blaster I, yet. I, I, Oh my god! I, I swear to God, if they fucking do this, you know that trend in uh, in like origin movies. They it happened in yeah. Snake Eyes. It happened in three yes. where you don't see the iconic costume until the very end. They're gonna do that. You if know this, they're gonna do this, that. If this fucking movie does that, I will riot in the goddamn theater. He's gotta <laughs> earn his standard protocol Star Command uniform. <laughs> that has to be. He doesn't. Is like the standard uniform for everybody else. But no, he's got to don the official Buzz Lightyear version because he has to earn it. He's just an astronaut trying to make his dream in the future. It's the equivalent of how did Han Solo get his blaster? Like some guy just threw it at him. Here you go. Yeah. It's like Rob Zombie's Halloween levels of fucking. How did he get the mask? Service. Uh, hey, get the uh, knife. <laughs> thank you a lot for the follow there, Lay Monster Music. Thank you so much, man. Thanks for the follow. Thanks for coming by, man. Um, hope you had a great stream, uh, by the way. Um, yeah. Appreciate uh, you coming to ours. Yeah. Have we talked about the Uncharted movie trailer? We did that uh, last week. That's up on our YouTube page um, there. You can watch it if you go into YouTube and you type in um, the afternoon tune. You would come up with our channel. Um, and then our most recent episode, um, you'll see where we're talking about the Uncharted trailer because we did that uh, last. Speaking of soulless cash grabs, mm. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you know, I think obviously this movie, like you said, it does have a very sterile look to it. Um, it it, it kind of trying to make it like if this wasn't. So, do you all think you have that feeling of it because it is Buzz Lightyear? Like, let's say, like they want to do because it looks like they're trying to do their own animated version of like with the whole kind of music plan like david bowie Starman, like their own version of like you know uh the martian but with added extra you know kind of things to it or something like that well, do, do that so do you think if it wasn't buzz lightyear and it was the same thing like you didn't know if it was you know captain um um jackass or something like that that um <laughs> that, I, I do kind of want to see uh pixar's captain jackass now yeah you know what i mean so starring you, johnny knoxville Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do you think I'm it was... Buzz Lightyear, welcome to Jackass Exactly <laughs> So do you think <laughs> if it was something like that That you would feel differently mm, Maybe Maybe because uh, Buzz Lightyear is such this You know our childhood With the four Incredible Toy Story movies Mm. And the the in the cartoon uh, Buzz Lightyear Star Command that I loved as a kid. Um, maybe if it was a different character, I feel differently. But we don't have that. We got this shit. Mm. Okay. Huh. I'm agreeing with Nick on that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, when it comes, I mean, Pixar has a great track record. They make great films. Um, you know, they made us buy into, you know, the four Toy Story movies when they thought like, wow, you're making another yeah, one. You're making they made, third one. Yeah, they made, yeah, it's like they made another, they made four Toy Story them are fucking spectacular. And they made a fourth one that should not have worked at all. And it's fucking amazing. 
Hmm. I don't know. The fourth one to me always seemed like tacked on. You, you don't really, you didn't really need the fourth one. It's it's true. You don't need a fourth one. But that being said, it still fucking works. Yeah, but you got it anyway, Dusk. You got it anyway. They said, here's a fourth film. We know you don't need it, but we're going to give it to you anyway, and you're going to fucking love it. I already it. had dessert. I already had I'm done. That's too bad. You're getting, it, well, you're getting another some, one. Well, you had dessert. Here's some espresso. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. I'm going to go work tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I, I mean, when is this coming out? Let me see when this Lightyear movie's coming out. Uh, July uh, 20, it, 17th. Like, July 17th. Of oh, next so year. next July. Yeah, uh, that's when it's coming out. Um, and when I look at the kind of the voice cast for it, we're really only seeing Chris Evans as Bud Lightyear when I look at the kind of the voice cast um, so far. That's what we see. Um, like I said, Pixar has great track record with their films. I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of people mm-hmm. are kind of going like, um, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's them kind of trying to cash in on kind of the whole Buzz Lightyear thing, more of the Toy Story universe, things like that. Obviously, that's what they're going to do. That's, you know, Disney, Pixar, that's what they're going to do. Um, but you know, the look of it, I do like, you know, possibly, you know, going to these kind of other planets, seeing these other kind of things, them trying to do their own sci-fi animated epic. Okay. Like when's, you know, that's also kind of intriguing because like, what's like the last big sci-fi animated The last one I remember, last one I remember was, uh, was WALL-E. WALL-E, which came out like, that was like 2008, right? Yeah. That, that was like 13 years ago. Yeah. That was a movie they were trying to. That movie they were trying to make. That was like one of the movies they were trying to make since the beginning of their inception. And Disney mm. was like, no. Mm. So they had to make hit after hit after hit to finally make that movie. It's kind of like Treasure Planet, except on, unlike what Disney did to Treasure Planet, which is ruin it and ruin the marketing because they wanted it to fail because they wanted to go to 3D animation. They actually let Wally be its thing and succeed. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm kind of excited for that because like, I mean, we're not really getting a whole lot of sci-fi animated films, a lot of those. So, um, so that kind of intrigues me as well to see kind of what they do there. Um, but yeah, no, but we are getting a Dune part two apparently. Yeah, yeah. Congrats to Dune, Denny Villeneuve. <laughs> yeah, um, congrats to Denny Villeneuve. We'll see. We'll see if my opinion on two. Agreed. Yeah. Um, he. I mean, I think he also he's kind of lucky that that Jackass uh, Four moved his spot. Like they moved up. I think he's kind of lucky there. He's kind of lucky. You know. I think he's kind of lucky. But, but that's just me. Uh, uh, Johnny, Johnny Knoxville's just over his shoulder in like a fucking swivel chair with the fucking light. You owe me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because yeah, I think if that if because those movies were supposed to come out at the same time, and then Jack. Oh God! And then Jack the same day, October twenty second, they're supposed to come out, and then Jackass was like, okay, well, we'll move forward. I think they'll push. They'll push. They, they push their release date back, but Doom kept its, and um, yeah, it's doing really well in the box office. I think it 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 did the best on HBO Max, like simultaneous, like HBO Max plus theater. Uh, uh, sales, I think it did the best of, of, of movies that have been on HBO yeah, Max. Yeah, I think it, uh, yeah, it, it's, e- it either, it's, it's either, uh, past, uh, Mortal Kombat's record, or it's, like, close to it. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Because, uh, to my knowledge, Mortal Kombat is still the one that has been, that has the most streams from HBO Max. Ah, okay. Um. I can't understand why that movie. Well, it's Mortal Kombat. I mean, it's Mortal Kombat. I know. I yeah. know, man. Even if it's not a good movie. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but, um, yeah, so, 
we'll see. We'll see. We'll give you our, of course, our review of Lightyear uh, when that comes out. Absolutely. And everything like that. I mean, I don't really personally feel any excitement or hype for it or hate for it. I just like whatever. I mean, I don't. I don't get too. I don't get too overly emotional about any of like the stuff that comes out. You know what I mean? Even stuff that's clearly. Hmm you know, soulless or anything like that. I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's whatever. If it's bad, it's bad. If it's good, it's good. If it happens, whatever. I mean, you know. Um, all right. So moving on from discussing that, we're going to discuss a little bit of the Hawkeye trailer. Um, this is like the little kind of like short kind of one minute thing. It shows us a little bit more mm. from, you know, the Hawkeye series and what we can kind of come to expect. Um, you know, and I like it. You know, and what I like about these kind of Marvel shows that we've seen is that none of them are the same. You know, it seems like they all kind of have a different feeling with these shows. Loki, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision. Like, each show kind of tackles something different. And with this, it just... Yeah, all all of the shows, they're all tackling something different thematically. And even in the style of each show, it's it's all something different. With with WandaVision, it, it was very much... Um, paying loving tribute to kind of Nick at Night style uh, sitcoms for a majority of it. Falcon and the Winter Soldier was doing more political espionage style of action. Loki is like a Marvel was introduced to cocaine. And now with uh, Hawkeye, it looks like they're going for like a Shane Black style lethal weapon, die hard kind of action. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, and it looks fun. I mean, it looks like, yeah, like an action comedy type of situation. Haley Steinfeld, um, she's another person that's also part of that crop of young, you know, actors that's kind of up and coming and emerging as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's, she's great in everything, even though she's got two shit stains on her resume called the Pitch Perfect movies. Yeah, two and three Pitch Perfect. Yeah, I heard those weren't all that well. I, I like the first Pitch Perfect, though. I did enjoy the first one. I never went to go see the sequels, but... Uh, I heard, yeah, picture two and three is, is not that good. Um, because, you know, Marvel, they, they, they need the new crop of actors. They need to put somebody in these movies. Because we'll be getting Marvel stuff forever. It's going to be just endless. We need people that are we need people that are young, hot, and can carry this franchise for another 10 years. Yeah, 10 to 20 years. We need we need a new crop. Like, <laughs> Jeremy Renner, like, how Jeremy Renner's in his 50s now, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he was old when they cast him. Yeah, yeah, Jimmy Renner. Yeah, I think he's like fifty. It says, let me see here, fifty. Yeah, he's, he's just straight. He's 50. like in his. No, yeah, 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 I think he's like fifty now. Yeah, just straight fifty. So yeah, they need they need a new Hawkeye. Okay, they need to get you out. Uh, Chris Evans, get you out. Tony Stark, get you out. Robert Downey Jr. Like yeah, get all these old people out. Remove them. The new blood's gonna come in and replace them. So um, that's what we're gonna do. Uh, Dusk, what did you kind of think? Of, what do you think about like the upcoming Hawkeye series? So. It is Die Hard at Christmas with yep. bows and arrows. Should be fun. Yeah, yeah, that's what I feel. Yeah, it should be a, a lot of fun. Um, it's coming out. I think that's the one that's coming out on the twenty fourth. That's why I think I mixed up that date with that. Yeah, one. yeah, November twenty fourth. The first two episodes. I'm in favor of with any kind of streaming streaming television show. Yeah, because uh, just like they did with uh, the boys uh, this year and with uh, Invincible this year um they leave and not they give uh, the first three episodes so you can kind of binge it kind of get more of a sense of what tone the show is going for and it leaves you on the right note to where yes give me next week's now hmm. yeah um so I, yeah i think that's a good smart decision them to release in the first kind of couple episodes of the show kind of get you kind of engaged in it um and it's only like i think they said it's only like what, six episodes or is it yeah just like a falcon and winter soldier okay it's only 
Uh, yeah, six episodes. It's only that. Um, all right, so we're gonna be moving on from that to discuss our final trailer, and then we're gonna be getting out of here, people. Uh, we're gonna be discussing The Witcher. So The Witcher, there. Uh, Henry Cavill is back um, as Gerald, uh, the famous Witcher. Um, and hey, Geralt. Geralt. I'm sorry, Geralt. I'm sorry about that. Geralt of Rivia. Geralt. Uh, yeah. There we go. And looks even bigger as ever. And that armor and everything like that. Is- yeah, that ar- Yeah, that dude looks fucking massive. How the fuck could he ever play James Bond? Uh, he, I mean, yeah, he he rather just be odd job, honestly. He make a good just. just no, no, bro. He uh, he's the what would be case in Ian Fleming's book. He's all mm-hmm. business. He goes in, snaps your neck, gets out of there. Yeah, because <laughs> um, I because I was saying like when he was in that Elona Holmes movie, um, you know, which which was like that motherfucker is that mother that motherfucker is. <laughs> no, nah, they had to keep like extra costumes on standby in case his muscles just. Casey flexed the wrong way and just tore all of his clothes yeah, off. Absolutely, yeah, because he's like it was, it was huge. Like his buttons were bo- popping off that suit, like nearly. Yeah, was like <laughs> Jesus Christ. That yeah, that that coat was like a. It, it was like that scene in Spider Man when he's like holding on the train. And, ah! Yeah, I mean, basically that's what he was absolutely doing. Because I was like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> just hanging on for dear life. Like he looked humongous, but uh, yeah, um, it's like Jesus Christ, don't flex. <laughs> Uh, but you know, here um, it's coming back uh, with this kind of switch series. How did you guys? Because we reviewed the first season on the show. Um, hmm. I remember that as well. Nick, were you here for that when we reviewed the first season? Uh, I was not here for that. That that was like uh, December 2019 when the first season of The Witcher premiered. Um, me, I thought the show was was okay. I thought the action set pieces are what really work about this. And this is probably one of my favorite performances by Henry Cavill as a Geralt of Rivia. The world building really worked for me. The uh, my kind of issue is it was the weird story structure that the show tried to do. Because uh, I don't think the show did a good enough job of uh, explaining to the audience what time period each episode is set in. Or what what uh, story takes place at which time. So I thought for a while the structure was kind of confusing. Mm, okay. Uh, Dust, did you ever watch season one? Did you read the books, play the video games? Uh, yes, I watched the uh, the season. I have played the video games, and I'm just starting to get into the books. Just in my spare time, if I can read some at work. Okay. Uh, first thing uh, for the series, though, not my Trish Mar- Marigold Mm. Okay. Uh, everything else, though, I appreciate that the show listened to feedback. His armor in the very beginning of the first season was really bad, kind of looked really crap, and then they changed that out, got a better suit of armor. Uh, so well, they had well, mm-hmm. he well, you hear the story. He was he, they had to make like nine other versions of the armor because his muscles would just wear down the suit so bad. Oh yeah, no, no, I, I completely understand, but. They did take in consideration people's complaints to the show, and that is very much appreciated. Mm. That's not something that's always the case for a lot of shows. So right there, they got a lot of respect for me. Yeah, and it looks like they upped the budget by a, yes, they a, did. a lot. Because so, the, mm-hmm. the creature effects in the first season, they were kind of... Some yeah. of them looked really good, like uh, I think the uh, Striga, that mm. was uh, episode three or three, four? Yeah, three or four. Yeah, three or four, the Striga, I thought that looked really good. 
But some of the other creature effects, they were eh, on the level of something that you'd see on the CW. I forgive that because of it was just a first season and they're starting off mm. in a world that people know and the world that I know. So I like that there's an incorporations of both the game and it. But I, I do take um, most of the casting was pretty solid all around. Except for Trish Marigold, which they decided to cast completely differently from how her character is from both the games and, sh- and books. And I don't know what they were doing with that. And in just not at all personality-wise, and she's not even in the show at all, even though mm. in the game she's, like, his main companion and one of his primary love interests. Mm. Like, all right, man, I guess you're going to do something different. But I can I understood why a lot of fans were like, what the heck is this? But that being said, the trailer for Season 2 looks interesting. It's very clear they got enough budget, and I'm, I'm liking to see where they take this, you know? Yeah, I put up Tris uh, Miracle right here. Um, put up her character right here. Uh, Beautiful redhead. Well, actually, in the games, not the show, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, kind of, you know, I don't really, really remember much about season one all that much. I have to probably go back and watch it again. Because I remember one thing being very kind of confused, like you said, Nick mentioned with the whole time, you know, kind of them with the uh, timeline-wise of the way they put the episodes yeah. and everything like mm-hmm. that. Um, as well. Um, oh, yes. Hello. Uh, hey, uh, X7 there. Uh, Donut there. Um, I visited his stream uh, like yesterday. Very good streamer. Very good guy. Um, really welcomed me in much into his chat. Everything like that. Um, loved being a part of his stream. Good community. Good chat uh, going on on his streams. He does a lot of great stuff there. Um, I saw him play Resident Evil 8. Uh, very good there. Uh, very much. Yeah, and um, yeah, I got to get into playing Resident Evil 8 because uh, me and Dust, we were, do- we were doing Resident Evil 2 a couple days ago. Uh, playing and you that. picked Hardcore. Yeah, and I picked Hardcore. <laughs> and uh, yeah, them zombies were not dying for nothing, bro. I didn't. I don't think I've, no. killed, I don't think I've killed a single zombie yet. I you just, killed I, one. Yeah. Uh, oh, did you I kill killed that one cop. Oh, you yeah. killed that one cop. Yeah, ACAB. And yeah, it took ACAB. you 10 rounds. Yeah, I kill yeah, I killed that one cop. A cab. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, A cab for sure there. Um, yeah, so yeah, but if you guys get a chance, love to check out his streams, follow him if you guys get the chance because he's he's really great. He's a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, I mean he's got a natural knack for streaming for sure. Um, and to uh, lay monster music there, um, I think he was talking about uh, like Toy Story back when we talked about the light ear discussion. About us, like us selling us the movie, like with the plastic fork. Yeah, they sold the movie with a plastic fork and Keanu Reeves. If they can do that, they can do anything. And I- yeah, I mean, so I yeah, faith in them. But uh, to, with The Witcher here, it, 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 it's it, yeah, Pixar's kind of like Matt Reeves with me. He made me give a shit about CGA. So as far as I'm concerned, he's got car. Yeah, so they 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 can do yeah, they can do whatever they want now. Yeah, they got the they got the pedigree, they got the track record. Um, mm-hmm. With The Witcher here. Um, yeah, like I said, I was kind of confused a lot about stuff they did timeline wise with in the different episodes and stuff like that in season one. That was kind of confusing. Um, I did. I think you can say the budget does look a lot better here. Um, you know what I mean? It does look like they put a lot more money into it. Um, so I mean, I they. Sh- I mean, they shelled out the rights for like a Jay Z song. Yeah, I thought the I didn't understand the necessary need of the Jay Z song. I, I I thought that didn't make any sense. I was like, why? Is that, that, that felt even? like an that felt that felt like an executive decision, uh, an executive at Netflix's decision. I mean, the kids are into the hip hop, right? Yeah, you know what I mean. I yeah, I was just like, yeah. I, I, 
a lot of trailers now, it's just like, do they put pop music in every tr- trailer now? Like, it, like every trailer yes. doesn't need music, I feel like. It's like... It's... I mean, it only... For me, it only really stands out in bad trailers. Like it did with Clifford. Yeah, actually, it's funny you bring up... Um, I saw... When I was in Last Night in Soul, I was watching that, and I was watching the previews. There's this movie coming out. I forgot the name of it. But it's like, it's got... Lupita Nyong'o's gonna be in it. And Jessica Chastain's gonna be in it. Oh, oh, the three five five, I think, is the name of it. Yeah, that's it. And then they play this music in it and everything. I'm like, and then it's it's the girl boss movie. It's like some girl boss spy movie. I'm like, what the fuck is this? I'm like, Jesus Christ! It's like it's like all these different women from all these different nationalities who are spies, and they all team up. And they and they fight shit. I'm like girl boss shit. I'm like, oh my god, this is oh my Jesus. Um, and they play this trailer music in here. I forgot what song they played, but it was some generic like the pop song, rap rap song, something like that. In the trailer, it just was like, uh, okay. But uh, but anyway, um, yeah. Back to The Witcher, The Witcher. So uh, watch Henry Cavill and his big ass muscles in his suit. Um, so yeah, so it does look like the the budget is much better here. Um, so I do appreciate that. And like I said, I think this is a perfect role for someone like Henry Cavill because, you know, it's like a person that doesn't show much emotion and just kills and swings big swords and punches stuff. So it's like, that's great. Six to his strength. Yeah, that, that's great for him. Six to his strength. I think that's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so I think that's much, much appreciated. Um, so does you being a person who, you know, you're, you're consuming, you know, you've consumed a lot of the different Witcher content, the video games, mm-hmm. you're getting into the books. Um, what is mostly supposed to be in kind of this season two, mostly? Well, um, people are going nuts over, and you're not going to know who it is, but there's a character near the end where he's just in a dungeon surrounded by uh, rats. That's uh, Jaskier. Yeah, Jaskier. Yeah, the bard. Good old bard. Oh, yeah, the one who who uh, basically saved the Billboard Top 100 with uh, that banger. Yeah, all the fans are, are going nuts about that right now. Where you're like, yeah... Uh, Jessica's back. <laughs> yeah, I so, mean, yeah, so that's good. Yeah, very, very much good. Yeah, I thought he was a great so, addition in the first season. It was very good to get other forms of humor, and just yeah, it's just nice to see those little things here and there. What we're going right now, it seems like they're doing something. I, I can't really get a big feel of exactly where they're going to go on this, but I think they might be going towards a little closer in the magical realm because they did say things are changing and he does meet a couple sorcerer type characters so it could be they're maybe taking some points from a couple points in the books rather than the games the games were the adaptation of the books but again i haven't read too many of the books to know exactly where they're going here so i'm not much help at the moment unfortunately Hmm. okay yeah um nick what are you looking for a lot of just just a lot of vague things that it's like the Gerald things are changing. I'm like, I know, I've got new armor. <laughs> uh, what do you? Yeah, looking- he, yeah, like Henry Cavill somehow bigger. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What are you looking forward to with this season two, there, Nick? Um. Well, the strengths of season two were uh, in its action and its building, and I'm just looking forward to more of that. I think I think Henry Cavill, when he's given the right material, when he's given the right material, he is effortlessly charming and charismatic and i really love his take on Geralt of rivia and i'm looking forward to see more of a uh, 
Siri, I think is the girl's name. I, it's been a while since I watched the show. Uh, but Siri is the uh, the white haired the white haired girl who is a witcher, but she's like the only witcher that ever became a witcher without going through transmutations that the normal witcher. Yeah, uh, w- yeah, who's played uh, by Freya Allen. I'm looking for become more an active character in the season because that was kind of one of the weaknesses of the first was uh, you basically spend all ten episodes just her being this kind of damsel in distress, which I hate that trope so much. Mm. Yeah. Um. Mm. Uh, oh, and you, improvements uh, in its budget and its action. Like uh, in the trailer, I think there's one uh, long take with, uh, as far as I can tell, actually Henry Cavill with the sword, which I'm always impressed by stuff like that. Hmm. Yeah. Um. I'm just looking forward to Jennifer. I love. I loved Jennifer in the first mm. season. I liked her whole transformation, her whole arc in mm. the first season. How uh, she was kind of this. Yeah. Who? Know, yeah. Who's played wonderfully by uh, Anya Shalatra. Yeah. So like I said, man, they've made some really good choices on this, and Yennefer is very close to how she is, and and fairly close to what she is in the games and books. So when it when they don't do that, that's when it's like a raising of an eyebrow, like what? Why? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Hey, man, but Yennefer, yeah, I agree with you, man. I'm looking forward to just seeing these other characters again. That's what I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. And Gerald, Gerald, just killing shit. Oh yeah, yeah. hunting shit. He's a monster hunter, man. That's what you do. Fuck. Um. All right. So that was our last topic of the day. We're gonna be getting out of here today, people. Hey, thank you again, Julian, uh, for the raid, man. Thank you for that. That was much appreciated. A lot. Uh, Thank you. Really much appreciate Julian Handinger coming through with that. Um, Coming through with the follows as well. A lot of people also follow from the raid. Uh, That was very much appreciated. So now we're over 100 followers uh, on Twitch. So we hit that milestone. So that's pretty great. Um, You know, just kind of get up there and up there. More followers. You know, trying to get to partner now is the next step now that we've been affiliated a while back. Now the next step is partner. So that's pretty great. So thank you for all the people that came by the stream. Thank you for, you know, Late Monster Music. Thank you, X7 Donut. Um, Thank you, Javon Good. Uh, Thanks, Express. Uh, you know, thank you all you guys for coming by. Um, tomorrow, uh, we're going to be doing another stream. We're gonna be, I'm going to be coming with a review of Antlers, uh, which is the movie starring Jesse Plemons and Carrie Russell. We're going to be doing that horror movie there. Um, I'd actually, I'd love to see, somebody should do a movie night where it's Pig, Lamb, and Antlers. Somebody should just do a, a whole <laughs> trilogy. I wonder what you call that trilogy. Just like that, the Farmhouse Horror Trilogy, basically there, something like that. <laughs> dear Lord. And if you want, oh, dear uh, Lord. And if you want to laugh at the end, you you could put in the horror comedy Black Sheep. Black Sheep, <laughs> yeah. Do something like that. Yeah, do a whole kind of just series of movies with animal names there. Um, and maybe maybe throw in at the end to you know help people throw in Babe. Just throw in Babe at the end. You know oh, I mean? oh, Babe. Oh, here's a cleanse you, palette. Here's a cleanse or, the palette. Or you, or you could do like uh, the the Vivitch for uh, uh, the Black Phillip. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, Black Phillip, yeah. I, I want to see. A spin, I still want to see a spinoff of Black Phillip. I, I still want to see that. You know, got to just have just a movie about him just being a goat, <laughs> just 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 fucking, with <laughs> just fucking with people. People bending down and him just ramming people in the ass and them falling. <laughs> over. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we're gonna be doing that. Antlers coming tomorrow. We're also gonna be doing a um, a watch party. We're gonna be doing Jennifer's body. Um, that won the poll. Um, for the spooky season. Yeah, yeah, poll, yeah the yeah the Diablo Cody written uh, Karen. Cr- directed the the the, the <laughs> body oh fuck yeah I, I, I can't talk i'm 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm exhausted. But Jennifer's Body, the a movie that I think has kind of gotten this new second life since it's come on to streaming. Yeah, it's kind of had a it's kind of got a cult following now, Jennifer's Body now. Like mm-hmm. there was even like people celebrated the movie when it was like the anniversary of it. Um so it's kind of got a little bit yeah, of like, a and, cult following right now. And uh we know uh at least one person at Blumhouse has uh Karen Kusama, she's doing Dracula for them. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Very nice. Um, so we're going to be doing that watch party, uh, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. We're going to be starting the show, though, to review Antlers, everything like that, like around 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. So come by tomorrow mm-hmm. for that. Uh, Nick, where can people find you, man? All right, you can find me, Twitter, Instagram, at Nick, and uh, my friend uh, uh, Hunter from The Real Pineapple. I did a guest review for then that just dropped. You can find that anywhere. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, at The Real Pineapple. Ah, nice, nice, very nice. I gotta check that out. What did you, uh, I think you cut out a little bit. What did you say you reviewed again? Oh, Werewolves Within. Werewolves and, Within. And uh, oh. we have, and we have a, and uh, I also did two more. Twilight and are gonna be dropping, hopefully in the next couple days. Oh, uh, you said Twilight and Twilight New Moon? And New Moon. Okay. jeez. Oh, Alright, that's awesome stuff there. Um, and, uh, next week, uh, so next Friday, we're going to be coming back. We're going to be doing Eternals, um, as well. So that's going to be the big thing. Does it suck like everybody? Does it suck? Is it great? Is it? Does it suck? Or, or are people review bombing it because? Yeah. I mean, is it an underrated masterpiece? Tune Uh, in. Yeah. Tune in. All that good stuff. So, uh. Does it honk? (laughs) Let's see. Um, so of course, where you can find the podcast, we are on all the social medias, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all afternoon tune. Um, you just type that in and we'll be there and you can check us out. We're uploading clips, everything like that. Uh, you know, on TikTok and Instagram, you can uh, check out when we're going to be doing shows. Also Instagram, uh, Twitter. That's when I also announced when we're going to be doing shows, the content for the shows, the polls, everything like that on Twitter.com, uh, the afternoon tune and Instagram afternoon tune and TikTok afternoon tune. Um, also Facebook, the afternoon tune as well. Check us out. Got a fan page, got a group page there. Uh, check out all the content for the afternoon tune. Um, you can also email us at the afternoon tune at gmail.com. Um, we can send all your kind of questions. If you want us to answer them, everything like that, check us out there, send in some questions there. Um, you can also check us out wherever you listen to podcasts. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, wherever we're there. Hey, with Apple Podcasts, make sure if you're going to check us out, uh, if you like what we do, hey, make sure to show that. You know, give a good rating, give a good you know five stars review. That helps boost up the podcast. That does a lot for us as well. And of course, we're on YouTube, right? We're on YouTube.com. Uh, the afternoon tune as well, giving reviews, podcasts, putting up there clips of the shows, uh, reviews, pop culture discussions, all that great stuff up there. And, of course, um, we're streaming on Twitch, right? We're on twitch.tv, um, Afternoon Tune, where you can check us out now. Um, and, you know, you know, we're streaming every Friday, every Saturday when we can, streaming stuff like that. Um, so, we're going to be heading out of here. Going to play the outro for you people out here, and we're going to be getting out of here. Um, so, hey, all you good people out there, hope you love the stream. Again, thank you for the raid. And we're going to be getting out of here. Hey, to all you great people, don't forget to stay tuned. Stay tuned. All right, y'all.